it's your girl Rosa Sparks. Check out Dainty Thug every Wednesday to find out who I'm talking to, the latest in pop culture, while keeping it trill and dainty. Subscribe to Dainty Thug now, exclusively on the CSPN Media Network. The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words well. How about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Cumber Chronicles. That glorious, glorious applause. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on uh, the the Twitters, and you can also find me at Roddy Cat on, uh, I guess, Instagram. Sure, go for it. I don't really post that much there. Also, Newsnet's Need on Twitter. Uh, Newsnet's Need Reddit, and of course, CP Caps uh, on Instagram, which I'm dreadfully lacking. And with me tonight is the man behind the sound effects. Are the coolest man in Brooklyn. I think he's the one that's that's uh, putting us force field over certain areas of play. We don't know. Agent <laughs> underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. Sup, everybody. Exactly, and also with us tonight with his. Um, I'm not sure if adorable is the word, but um, his. Um, <laughs> you have to watch the video. Video people, you gotta yeah. Watch sometimes video. you have to watch the video to see because sometimes he comes up with some some craziness because he has a. For those not listening, he has a Superman hat, but on top of that, a, a little uh, mini. It's a little top uh, hat, little, little, little mini, yeah, little patriotic little, top little hat, mini, yeah. uh, little, little mini Uncle Sam, Sam hat. hat, yeah, exactly. But anyway, it is PC and underscore dirt. This is my two snaps up in a circle. Oh no! Oh, he no! did actually. Actually, he did have a hat on like that at one point. Oh no! <laughs> that totally happened. But you can find PC uh, underscore Dirt on Twitter and uh, I don't know if he's on Instagram or not. But if you're on Instagram or not, uh, but um, pop culture net. Been. You I, haven't been. You said you haven't. Have, well, I have an account there, but you just don't really yeah. use it. Yeah. No. Hey, once that Vine thing comes it comes back into play, we'll see what happens then. But also, um, well, popculturenet.com, pop, well, com, popculturenet on Twitter, and of course, the, his umbrella of uh, sites on under the Pop Culture Network umbrella. umbrella, umbrella. Uh, I'm also on uh, VK. I'm on MeWe. I'm oh, on, no. WeMe, whatever it is. Are you uh, on WeMe? Yeah, I got one. <laughs> Why not? Uh, what was the other? I'm on Reddit. I'm on. Uh, I, I don't know. You have got, to put the well, link in there. Anytime a thing comes and it's like, hey, you should make an account. I'm like, yeah, why not? Yeah, I've, I've checked out MeWe. I'm not sure what. I've uh, been on Minds. I've been on Allo. Oh uh, yeah. Or Allo. Allo. Uh, yeah. Allo's still around, actually. It, yeah, actually, I got a notica- notification from it the other day, and I was like, oh right, I forgot that was a thing. Right, and the other uh, uh, the Vero, that one. I think that one maybe showed the shutdown already, but anyway, regardless, he's he's all over the place. You have to like the put the links in the if you or if you want to put your links in the thing. Nah. Okay. Well. <laughs> nah. um, if I do that, people will just find me. So I mean, I think I'm that's better the point. off just hiding under my rock, being quiet. 
Okay. <laughs> so say you. But um, speaking of hiding, uh, finding people, you can find this podcast on CSPN.us. That's the Coastal of the Podcast Network. Uh, we can find this uh, this particular program and others. I'm not gonna say like it because absolutely, I think we're pretty much the only one like it on that network. Because you can find two. I'm not gonna go. So you can find like two or three wrestling shows and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, we are us. Like a proliferation of wrestling shows on the network right now. <laughs> it had well, been, yeah, it had been that way a while though. Yeah, so, providing some content right there, right? Yeah, the show was fantastic, by the way. Oh, that's right. You watched it too. Yeah. Yeah, that the double or nothing was a fantastic. That was that was worth the full price that they charged. I'll take your word for that. <laughs> but you can also subscribe to what? Wait, do you have a wrestling podcast or no? Yes, actually. Oh well, uh, transitional champion podcast. That's what I thought uh, I saw. Okay. Yeah, but we only do it once a month now. We did it every week for the road to WrestleMania. Now that it's over, it's like. Wrestling's terrible, so we'll only do it once a month. <laughs> Wait, how is that different from any other time? Start, uh, maybe we'll we'll do a little more often. <laughs> exactly. Well, cool. There you go. You can find you can find that there if you are so inclined. And you can also find us on Google Play and Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts. You can also find us on Spotify, and of course the soul, the soul, the Coastal of the Podcast SoundCloud page. And as we do every week, we will start off with the comic books of the week. And we are going to start off this week with the last issue of the event, DC's event book, Heroes in Crisis, number nine. Oh, God. Oh, God. No. Huh? What? Okay, let me. Oh, oh, no. oh no! We can't even joke oh, about that. No, nah, we're not. We're not. We're not. That's I'm the just... point of Heroes in Crisis. Oh, it's true. It's true. So, That's a meta joke. That's well, a meta. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Right. So ultimately, uh, <laughs> I I joined up. I joined the uh, the the pre-show a little late, and my reaction apparently mirrored the reaction of all of my co-hosts, which was, "What the heck was that about?" Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah, referring to Heroes in Crisis number nine. So just to get everyone up to speed, we found out who the quote-unquote killer was. Which we knew about from last issue. However, this is the uh, this was the expo dump. And, right. Uh, as to well, 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 the expo dump right, as to exactly. why that happened. Right. What I was going to say is this is the issue where they figure out a way to quote-unquote solve it. Yes. By throwing a whole bunch of timey-wimey rigmarole into it. But there right. was a message. Shout out to Endgame. <laughs> yeah. Or any other yeah. <laughs> time yeah, time travel. The future time travel. or yes. Awesome time machine. <laughs> I still have not seen that movie yet. I, that keeps getting brought up. Uh, but in so, that case but in that case this one didn't seem to make and I dare say this loosely nearly as much as any of those movies did. And the explanation. Well, granted, the explanation is probably solid. However, it's still crazy, um, which we will probably dabble around in. But you were going to say something, Doug? Well, yeah, I was just going to say I, I have been buying this in hard copy mm. since it started coming out, and as you know, my my enjoyment of this series kept going down, 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 down with every issue. Uh, a couple weeks ago. 
there, there are three comic book shops in town. I, I went. I go to all three of them just because I'm that type of person. I know everybody. We all get along, even though I worked in a different store. I've worked at two out of the three at different times, whatever. Sure. So I go, I go into one of them, and the guy is like, hey, uh, if you have any back issues you want to get rid of, I'd love to buy them off of you. I'm having a hard time filling the back issue stuff. I said, honestly, I've got tons of stuff. I ended up taking 13 short boxes. Wow. To wow. him. And amongst those, I put in all those copies of Heroes in Crisis. Uh, I dropped it from my pull list, and I didn't even purchase this final issue. I, I got rid of it. I flushed it. Uh, when, when we were going through the new comics on Tuesday night, sorting them and putting them in for subscribers because I still help out with that, I read it so I knew, you know, what. well, it was. I read it. I say I read it. I read it in about, you know, 90 seconds. So you're just kind of like, yep, uh-huh, yep. Kind of skim through yep, it, yeah. Uh-huh, yep, yep dumb and put it back so uh this i'm glad the this long nightmare is finally over Mm -hmm. um the dark day is now behind us (laughs) um but this was you know like like you were saying like what was the point of this this is one of those things where like i I guess that tom king he he as we know he worked for the cia he spent time over in the hot zone um we know he went through some stuff when he first started doing like Sheriff of Babylon and there was some PTSD stuff going on and it was set in Iraq and you were like, okay, this is an interesting story. He was kind story. of working some stuff out. And then you got Vision and it's like, well, he's a, he's a robot android. How, you know, alive is he really? And then asked some of those questions and dealt with horrible things happening and how he reacts and, you know, uh, uh, kind of like those episodes of next generation with data whether or not he was uh you know really alive whatever and you're like okay that's interesting but then he's been doing this with batman for mm-hmm. the last couple of years and he did it with this series and it's just like everything he's doing now is just i guess it's therapy for him which good for him if he can work through it but at the same time it's like it's it's the same one note that's getting played over and over and with some characters it works and it's interesting and with some characters it's just depressing and sad and and i guess there's a point to be made there but i'm trying to be entertained here (laughs) you know uh and i want the story to kind of make sense and this story it, it from the very beginning you thought well there must be some sort of mental manipulation going on because of the way certain people saw certain stuff and it's no he's just super fast so he was able to move things around while they were looking so they both thought the other person did it and it it felt like such a cop out to the story and it felt like such a weak ending for what actually happened it's it's one of those where it almost felt like the DC challenge series it's like you know, the the one writer writes the first one and ends it on a cliffhanger and the new writer has to right, come on and figure out how to get out of the cliffhanger. Right. It kind of felt like he worked his way up to like issue five or six and then just kind of went, I, I don't really know what to do here. And maybe he asked around and got some ideas and, oh, well, time travel. Sure. Why not? Well, we'll you know, that's always a good escape. Um, but it just it, it just felt like it died, uh, just went off a cliff. The story just it lost all interest mm-hmm. uh it the meaning that he was trying to hammer home he kind of hammered home like issue two uh i don't know that we needed what nine was this nine, uh, nine in this? yeah yeah. Nine. yeah so uh like i'm now at the point uh you know the news came out of course that he's been taken off batman and uh now i'm just kind of like I'm, I'm ready for him to 
to, to, to move on to something else. Well, except for he's, he has been taken off of Batman, but he's still got a Batman project. But we'll see. We'll talk about right. that later in the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think it has, well, because of the relaunch and whatever with Doomsday Clock. And, right. So, anyway. But, yeah, so it's just like I, I was so excited for this when it was announced, and I was so hyped for it. And then it just... Well, this is a case yeah. of the mystery not not worth the effort of unraveling it. So... Right. And well, and also it just it wasn't laid out in a way that was interesting as as you as you learned. You know, you normally you get like a nugget here and a nugget here and in your mind you have to kind of put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was just very much like it got to a certain point and it's just like, Oh, he did it and that's it. And you're just like, Oh, well that I mean it doesn't fit anything else that we've read at this point. There's been no like hinting that this being the answer is just kind of you got to a point and there it is. Oh, okay. Well, there was right, some then. some things to, that was said that issue one probably told it all, or or kind of gave away a, a lot of it before we got to this point. But I'm not sure. I would have to go back and read it to to, to find that for sure. But yeah, and that's not happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know, at one point it might do it before the end of the year or something. I don't know. Probably not. But all I was going to say uh, is that one is that. This is basically a big roundabout for an afternoon special, an afternoon, uh, a if, very special episode of the yes, DC universe. or or yeah, or an after school special like those of us of a uh, certain vintage will will know, right? Like this could have been settled in, in one of those type of issues, and they have been the, those issues between the two, you know, between companies like right. bullying stuff and whatnot. Nine, right? This did not need to be a nine issue limited series. So. That being said. Um, I don't know. So the fact that we found out that it's like, okay, well, this was, you know, it was grounded in basically the Speed Force, and there was some hints to Flashpoint, and you know, and and the like. Like at least it was grounded within the universe, and, and I'm not that I'm not excusing it for that, it, but because sometimes there are are comics who was like, hey, this happened, this happened, and you can't even explain why things happen because it's just like I don't know comics mm-hmm. but at least with this a lot of it ended up grounded in you know the speed force by proxy and you know therein without I mean they didn't use speed force but they basically was like speed and you know being fast enough to time travel and all that kind of good mess at least that was something that was like was grounded but at the same time like I said we still got a good bit of timey-wimey mess and like I said the message while a, a necessary message especially these days in time probably could have been like just like you said handled in less than way less than nine issues probably with a very special well and considering he already dealt with this and he's he's really basically dealing with the same thing in Batman with the stress and, mm-hmm. and the trauma and that was what Sheriff of Babylon was all about was dealing with the stress and the trauma and the post-traumatic stress disorder uh, that was a big part of that um, and then you know like we said with vision and kind of exploring the emotions of going through this kind of stuff so like I said he's done this theme already right and, and I guess if you're not you know, reading again, Batman it, it, or if you're not read Sheriff of Babylon or Batman I guess this is something new to whoever didn't read those but but the there's difference a good, is a pretty good Sheriff chance Babylon that... was good and Vision was good <laughs> <laughs> this was not 
Right. This, you know, this was not very good. I just wanted to give a shout out to a particular creative and artistic decision um, on the part of the creative team. Uh, Clay Mann and Tom King apparently chose to depict Barbara Gordon, um, aka Batgirl, in the. Um, the most skin tight outfit that that you could ever imagine. I mean, I mean so as opposed then, to what they did with Ivy, right? No, but the but but I think that you know this is definitely of the uh, of the of the uh, leaving a little bit to the imagination. And, and I feel like I we mean, well, yeah, we reaction, talked about always every there was always a shot where you're just like oh. right because I think we talked about it probably like about three four epi- uh, issues prior to this uh, about that I was like wow those are some weird. Angles for shots y'all chose to put in there. Like, that's. It reminded me of the uh, All Star Batman series with uh, Jim Lee doing Mm. the super cheesecake artwork for that. Oh, for Black Canary? For, well, and for Batgirl. Right, 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 right. right. Yeah. So, yeah, they they, they snuck a good bit in there. Frank Cho will be pleased. Um,. So yeah, that that was Heroes and Crisis. I don't know if anybody else got anything else to say about that because it was, it, if if you didn't get what we what the, we thought about it from all of that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah, well that's right because luckily I put this in my notes. So I, I mentioned pr- prior to the show, I was like, okay, so we do do we because of what happened, like do we have another extra Wally floating around? Is Roy still dead? Is everybody outside of like? Ivy and them dead and like they never really explained that part because they basically sound, made it sound like okay well everything's pretty much back to the way it was except for right. I mean I'm going to write this polar belt because people out there may still be reading this sure but I think a lot of those people if not all of them are dead I think the one character they actually brought back was Ivy because right. of the because of the uh, what call it? Because of what uh, was explained in this issue, but I think all those people are dead, and that's why uh, at least a version of Wally West is in jail right now. So, right, and that other one is looping. I don't know, but sure, running in circles, basically. I guess, yeah, sure. But again, I feel like there's probably going to be an event like two years from now that was like, hey, remember when this happened? By the way, we're just going to take somebody out of the loop and it's going to be like that scene in Endgame. Yeah. So, or maybe maybe it'll play in the Doomsday Clock. Maybe. I was about to say, it's like Doctor yeah, Strange maybe. and Dormammu. Man, yeah, there's that too. But even that <laughs> only went so far. Right. So anyway, but that is that. The Heroes in Crisis number nine. It's It was... Yeah, it was the greatest book of the week. Oh, yikes. <laughs> and yikes. Being facetious. Anyway, next up, um, I guess since we're on an event train. Oh, actually, we're not on an event train, really, because the rest of that stuff was side stuff. Um, did you read? You didn't read War Scrolls, did you? Scrolls. Uh, speaking to me? No. Yes. And I know the dirt didn't so you know what you guys go ahead and hand, uh, tackle doomsday clock all right since we're here this is great i love this he, this is he's actually this not is even being facetious i love in comics um 
you know, so basically what we've been dealing with this whole time is uh, this mixing between the Watchmen reality and our reality and, you know, characters crossing over into the, well, I say our reality, into the DC universe. Right, creating a connection. Right. And so, uh, you know, going into all the multiverse stuff, the parallel dimensions, whatever. And we know that Dr. Manhattan is in the DC universe reality that he's somehow done something, but you don't really know how it ties in and they're trying to track him down and whatever. And, um, you know, we had a big attack from all the superheroes trying to stop him from doing his little experiments that involve the entire human race and all this kind of stuff. This is the issue where they finally explained everything. We've gotten the hints and pieces. And like I was saying, what we didn't get with heroes in crisis, we've been getting in doomsday clock. We've been getting little hints and snippets and, um, you know, visions of what's to come and whatever. And here, everything is finally laid out and explained and you understand. And the big crux of this is what has been the crux of the DC universe since 1986 or 85, I guess, uh, which is the multiverse and the, the crises that keep coming um, through there. So, uh, like, like this is the stuff I love about the DC universe is the multiverse and the different histories and all of that kind of stuff. And we had Dr. Manhattan, I guess if you want to bring the spoiler bell, because I'll talk about this a little bit. You got it. Here it comes. So, Dr. Manhattan has been basically looking at the history of the DC universe, seeing as how it keeps changing with, with every big event crisis. Kind of how, seeing it from our eyes. Yeah, how history keeps being rewritten, how you know, the, the Justice Society is forming and they're waiting for Superman and then suddenly there is no Superman. He comes 20 years later and then suddenly something happens and he comes again 20 years later and then you know again something happens and he's coming back and so Dr. Manhattan has finally decided he's going to try his hand at playing with the uh, DC universe and he's the one who created the post flashpoint new 52 so he was the the brain behind switching it and he says there's something about the main DC universe it's not just a multiverse as we call it he he calls that universe the metaverse because whatever happens in the main DC universe then splits out and causes all the different multiversal events to happen. There's something about Superman that's the key, and there's something about it being Superman in this timeline in the DC universe. And so the New 52 was his uh, experiment to to change up Superman and to try to make make it a darker reality because he was playing because Superman has always been bright and positive and whatever and he tried to make it darker and and mess around can he really you know change him and whatever which was a big point of contention with the new 52 how it did feel a lot darker in the DC universe and and all of this stuff going on so again with him calling it the metaverse it's again very meta for what's been happening with DC Comics and publishing and the different experiments of reworking some of these characters, which is why I think all of this kind of flows into what's happening with Tom King on Batman, because I'm pretty sure that when this series ends, we're going to see a big shift in the history and a big shift in the DC universe, and we're going to have a different, less dark, uh, less uh, emo... Uh, DC Universe going forward, right. which puts 
Tom King's Batman in this awkward spot. So I'm almost wondering if Tom King's new Batman and Catwoman project will continue this timeline in its own series and he'll finish off his story as like an alternate Elseworlds thing and the main DC universe at the end of Doomsday Clock is going to be something different and something that's more comic book and uh, that we know of as kids, something that's more new reader friendly, something that's more of that classic comic style. So, But anyway... Just the fact that they went through all this and they had Dr. Manhattan kind of explaining um, as he's looking at history and looking at these changes. And, and we, we know as readers that's that's from Crisis and that's from, um, what was it, Zero Hour and Final Crisis and Flashpoint and, you know, all this stuff messing with history and messing with time and, and all these uh, you know, loops and, and rewrites and whatever. Um, reboots, it was, yeah. Yeah, reboots. It was just really nice to see how all of that uh, work together. So uh, I, I enjoyed the heck out of this book. Because it is meta, I thought. Because as much as uh, I come at it from a slightly different perspective, um, you know, I, I, I've said it multiple times on the show before in that I'm a huge fan of the new Teen Titans pre-crisis and everything that came post-crisis made absolutely no sense to me and I never liked it and I was like, I'm out. Peace. Um for those who consistently stayed with DC throughout these uh, multiple, we, we've called them reboots, but it's interesting to see you poor, uh, sad people, right? But it's interesting to see, you know, uh, to see Jeff Johns put this together as part of a continuity, and you know, looking at it from you know the perspective of you know a meta perspective. You know, ha ha ha, um, and, and putting it into the story—it's—it's—it it, it was interesting to read uh, as you know, Doctor Manhattan is almost like our proxy. Like he, you know, we were reading it through him, and we're like, wait, we're actually observing it uh, the same way over X number of, over these past X number of years. Well, and another thing is that Jeff Johns, this is really like his his method of storytelling is he, you know, I remember the first big thing uh, reading was when he did the green lantern uh, with parallax. And he, instead of it just being how Jordan went crazy and became evil, it's like there was this corruption and the corruption was actually parallax. And he made this giant mythology out of it. Um, Then he did the flash rebirth and brought back, uh, Barry Allen and figured out a way to you know to, to take these little breadcrumbs from throughout the DC history and work it back together and then back on Green Lantern uh, he started adding all the different colors of the spectrum and and how those built into different things and he's just really good at finding random threads and breadcrumbs and stories and then you know weaving them together yeah. yeah and so it's really nice uh, because it it also works like it makes sense the way he does it it's not it's not someone coming in with a hammer and just being like okay well now this has changed and now it's going to work this way it it really works the way he does it he finds these holes and says okay i can use this blank space in order to fill in part of a story here and part of a story here and then link them together and it's really neat the way he does that and that's what he's done with this book, now the, the one criticism really is that it's taken a while to get to this point where you're seeing this work together. And right. 
now that we have a better idea of what's going on, I actually do want to go back and read those first couple issues again because there was some weird stuff, especially with the Justice Society, which were a big part of this issue, talking about the changes that they went through and then the changes that he personally did to them as part of the New 52, basically wiping them out of existence um, so that that part of the DC history was gone. Um, and so now I want to go back and, and see some of that stuff because at the time I was reading it, I was like, oh, yeah, that's that guy who was a you know, a, a, an old golden age hero, whatever, but, you know, I just kind of glossed and, and moved right. on. So now I want to go back and read those issues because, okay, it's like now he's, he's doing something with them. Right. He's going to rework them and, and, and he's got something in mind. I think the toughest part of this series to date is one, the lateness of all the, you know, the, the releases of the issues, um, you know, the large gaps in between the issues, um, you know, I don't know if this really needed to be, although there's still two more issues left. We don't know if this will actually finish in 2019. I've got money against it. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, what I was going to say is, did this really need to be 12 issues? One? You know, that, that's my first point. That's my, or my first question. And um, two, um, I actually wanted to, to mention, you know, it was, I, I, didn't, I don't want to say I laughed at this, but just you know, getting back to what I was mentioning before about the different reboots that have revolved around Superman and how they've had to shift. You know, we kind of joke about Marvel sliding, you know, timeline and how DC just kind of just blows everything up and decides to kill people at certain times. The page I'm, I, I pulled up is the page where we kind of review the different times in DC history where they have killed off the Kents whether oh, they stayed alive or not. And I'm like, oh my God, are they around now? I remember when this happened. So, um, you know, it, it's, it, you know, I thought that was pretty amusing. But I think, I guess my biggest qualm, other than the release schedule, is why this had to be 12 issues. Like, why do we have to see those marionette people? I guess they might still play a, a, a part in the, in the next two issues. Yeah, and again, that's kind of why I want to go back and read it, because I'm wondering if if there's something I missed with those characters, cause they do seem kind of random, uh, you know, just thrown in there for no reason. So maybe there's something there's, there's a thread, you know, that dropped with them that maybe is getting ready to come back in one way or another. Um, uh, so I'm not sure. So yeah, exactly. Um, but again, I do. Well, I, I think part of the reason why he wanted it to be 12 was just because of Watchmen. Watchmen was a 12. I was going to say that. If you yeah. bring it up, I was actually going to say that he wanted it to match. And you could tell, of course, by the way that they do the cover art with the name along the side and on the back, you know, they've done the, the clock with the blood. And, right, and um, the decompressed storytelling, like in some right. issues. Right. Um, but, but this one, for being 10 issues, at this point, 10 issues along, I'm much more excited and still uh, looking forward to two more issues as opposed to Heroes in Crisis where we got to like issue four mm-hmm. and I was ready for it to be over and you know we still had five more to go I wish we had re- well we do have recordings but we actually sometimes never talked about issues like three four five six <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> clock we're just like oh this is awful Can we no, tell well, me the only time we've talked about it is the fact that it, it keeps getting pushed 
right. There was a point, no, but there was a point where uh, uh, I, was it issue number eight? I think it was where where Dirk came on and said, "All right, you don't have to have read anything before this. This is where you start." So that's kind of what that, that's the advice I followed. So now I am, you know, I'm, I'm current, and it feels like I didn't miss anything in issues three, four, five, six, or seven. Yeah, and, and again, it, it may not. It may have just been some red herrings he threw in there to uh, to tease you, you know, off. right, right, to, to get you to go along with it. So um, that's always a possibility. But again, I, I like a lot of the stuff that Jeff Johns has done with a lot of these different characters over the years. He really dives into the history, and he really, like I said, grabs those those dangling plot threads and those breadcrumbs of a storyline and figures out how to work them together into something new and different and exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm really, you know, if, if the last two issues aren't a complete letdown, right. um, then this is going to be one of my favorite stories in a long time. I gotcha. I gotcha. I, you know, and I definitely understand, you know, why I, I did appreciate the fact that we were almost reading it along kind of over Dr. Manhattan's shoulder, you know, right. kind of experiencing it because he was living our experience. Well, and I guess, you know, part of it's also, I'm not a huge fan of the Watchmen and the Watchmen universe. So when it first started, it's like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But then it kept going with some of those characters and some of that stuff. And it's like, eh, because I actually like the Charlton characters more than the Watchmen characters they were morphed into. Right. Um, and so I always, every time I read Watchmen stuff or look at Watchmen stuff, I'm always like looking at the, uh, you know, Squadron Supreme version of characters, not the characters I actually want to be reading, you know. Right. Um, so now that we've kind of moved through some of that stuff and it's more into history of the DC Universe proper, I'm obviously much more excited for the story. Gotcha. Right. I was going to say, don't let Matt Wayne hear you say that about the Watchmen. <laughs> Don't, don't do it. Uh, but um, uh, well, that, that's a problem I, I have with a lot of Alan Moore stuff. It's like I don't know. That's a whole conversation. I was about to say, that seems just to be an, an Alan Moore thing. Period. Yeah, Alan Moore has he, he's really good at like taking taking this idea, this really good nugget of an idea, and starting to work it, and then just kind of losing interest, and in, you know, then it just becomes a story with points to get to an end. Mm. Gotcha. I was going to ask it, but that look took longer than I actually expected to be. I'm impressed. Um, is, are either of you reading Young Justice? I've read here and there. Hmm. <laughs> because they, and the only reason why I bring it up is because, like, the, you talked about the metaverse and stuff earlier. Because they seem to be uh, bringing out the. the bringing up the fact about the crisis crises and they did not while we're not specifically saying things about the metaverse they seem to be kind of touching on that stuff um along with doomsday clock in, in a in a sense anyway they're not really going full-blown in it but just like hey you know stuff that happens on earth kind of gets reverberated onto other places so all of the crises kind of hurt other you know right. points of existence. So it's like so. I'm like, okay, well, clearly that stuff's feeding into this stuff, or this stuff's feeding into that stuff. Rather, well, but that's also kind of a the DC universe. Yeah, bread and butter is is the whole multiverse changing history, and you know, mm-hmm. Crisis on Infinite Earths was a big deal. Right. <laughs> it was a very big deal. It still reverberates. Right, which you can find on DC Universe. Not a plug, just a, just a fact. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I I will admit I've never actually read. Crisis all the way through. I have not either, actually. I don't think, but I have read it. 
shame. Shame. Uh, before <laughs> I take the Game of Thrones walk of shame, uh, I'm going to remind everyone what year Crisis was released, how much each, how much it was cover price, and what we had to uh, maybe forego in order to um, buy these copies. And I ended up reading it in trade. Uh, or like reading, reading most of it in trade once the trades were released, especially when they redid it with the Alex Ross cover mm-hmm. um, during during the, the mid-90s, if you guys remember that. So that, that's when I read it. But I can safely say I actually haven't read every single page. I think I skipped. I was like, all right, somebody's dying. All right, that's who the anti-monitor is. Okay, this makes no sense. Moving on. And see, I was the, I was the kid that I had the... Uh... I forget what company did it, but there was another comic company that did the official index to Crisis on Infinite Earths, and it was two issues, and it it pointed out every character, it pointed out what Earth they were from, it pointed out how they changed throughout history, it, you know, all of this stuff, and you could go page by page. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a reference where you look at like here's the page in Crisis, and then you look in the index, and here's and here's all the notes about all the characters that appear. It was on the basically page. that big board with the string and the and the thumbtacks. Right, and I I remember I was digging through all the boxes at the comic shops, everything that had the you know Crisis on Infinite Earths tie-in, and it's like, yep, buy that, buy that. Buy that. <laughs> all right, well, you know, we, it's uh, it, it's pretty cool that we can actually speak about Doomsday Clock in relatively positive terms after many many months. Well, we'll see, we'll see what happens after these next two April issues come out. Not finishing in 2019. I'll take that bet. I'll take that bet. <laughs> That'll be a gentleman's like dollar bet, and we'll oh, see if it finishes. Oh, and we'll make it a slap bet in 2019. Oh, no, <laughs> I've been the playground in a long time. What's that? The slap bet is uh, if you, you lose, the other person gets to slap you across the face as hard oh, as they can. That's terrible. I'd and you won't. And, and they can do it any time they want to, so you'll never see it coming. Yeah. It's a dollar bid. All Shout right. out to How I Met Your Mother. Um, What's next? Yes. So, um, I guess to, to round out our event stuff, we can go ahead and get some of this stuff out of the way. Um, you, uh, Agent 70, read World of Realms, Spider Man, and the League of Realms. I did. It was a very pleasant issue to read. Uh, and I don't mean that lightly. Uh, this this miniseries follows uh, Spidey uh, leading uh, what's left of the League of Realms into a mission to take on the angels who have uh, basically uh, conquered the majority of the African continent. And Spidey has done his best to convert one of the angels who has been a dissenter in the ranks uh, the leader of the uh, angels sided with uh, Malekith and basically alienated this one particular character. And Spidey, uh, through diplomacy, was able to uh, convince this character to switch sides. And that's the crux of the story. It's really not um, the best, you know, uh, shoot 'em up action comic it actually has a lot of heart to it so i really appreciate that this series has that in it when we 
you know, when we kind of look at some of the other uh, War of the Realms uh, tie-in books. This brings about a curiosity, because as we know, Spidey... Well, obviously, this is a... I don't want to say ploy, but that's probably the best word I have right now, to get Spidey in a War of the Realms book uh, of his own, quote-unquote, and not have it be in his... what was going on in his books. Which, I guess it works out. Like, I didn't... I really hadn't... I didn't read this issue just yet, but... The reason why I bring that up is because we also know that he's in, well, he was or is or at some point will be in Jotunheim with Cap and the rest of that team. And I'm, which had me thinking like, okay, when does this happen? This happens after. He's already come back from that mission. But after that, that's when, so which means it was before Avengers Mountain got attacked. Is because after they came back, Avengers Mountain got attacked, and everybody or, or a lot of people. Right, he's there. already off. Right, he's off. He's he's away while the mountains were attacked. Okay, so it didn't make it seem that way when that. But I guess that makes sense. Okay, you're off the hook on that one. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know why I was on the hook in the first place. But okay. <laughs> because, like we like said last week, there's some of these books who's like, okay, the the timing of these things are kind of weird as to when this stuff is happening. Like, yeah, you see the hooks. But at the same time, there are a couple of couple of issues and a couple of books are like, okay, I don't when this is how is this happening? When is this happening? Kind of situation, right? Yeah. Uh, but speaking of, um, if you're done with that, yeah. Uh, Water Realms War Scrolls number two. I'll talk about real quick. So really, the final points of this these are, and we'll get to Thor next. Sure. I know you read that one, but um. Wait, you read Fantasy Four also, didn't you? Yes. Okay, good. Um, that was a great issue, by the way. We're going. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, Water Realms, War Scrolls number two. Basically, it's three little short stories. The one main story is has to do with uh, God-powered Daredevil. Um, so after the events of last issue where the Kingpin gets uh, kidnapped by Malekith, uh, gets slapped around in this issue a little bit by Malekith, and, of course... Kingpin, being the person he is, uses uses the the um, situation to his advantage because Malekith wants information on Daredevil, and of course, uh, Wilson Fist said, "I'll do you one better. I kill him myself." But he's the Kingpin, so you know he's going to be playing both sides against the middle, so to speak. Actually, he doesn't because actually he gets he um, he gets a sledgehammer and goes to fight uh, Daredevil. But then turns ends up turning it into uh, his advantage media wise, you know, as politicians seem to do. So outside of that, that part was was a pretty decent one. And then the other two stories are like, well, there's a Doctor Strange story, like right after he um, he does the spell that sends everybody to Avengers Mountain, and pretty much what he, what he um, does in between that time. And that one was okay. Like okay, well that that wraps up his little thing on that. And the last story is um, well, basically one we find out how why Loki or why Loki wears horns, and it has to do with Odin, which will take us into well, which doesn't have anything to do with Thor thirteen, but it comes up there anyway. Um, and he goes to Wiccan for. Not necessarily some advice, but he's trying to recruit him, or trying to recruit his uh, future self as the Demiurge, you know, when things pop off. And of course, this one is leading into what happens to him at the end of Ward Around Number One. 
uh, because you know he and Wiccan have a little conversation at a drag brunch, um, and Wiccan kind of lays into him a little bit because obviously they have history of being in the young young ventures together. And then it kind of goes off, and then War when War of the Realm one happens, where Loki gets eaten, and um, you know a little sad little note there, but it you know obviously we know that didn't stick. So that's pretty much that, you know. So the, the um the I don't know how many other more issues, in it, but like I said, the main story of this and it's the dead over stuff, and then they'll just have a couple other side stuff uh, to it. It's, you can pass it unless you like Daredevil and want to read whatever what what's going on with him and that part as a side of what he, you know the other stuff he's been doing. So now we can get to Thor number thirteen. All right, so Thor number thirteen. The story is entitled. Is it the ballad? The ballad of, of yeah, the ballad of uh, Cole Borson. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. the the ballad of Cole Borson. God of Fear. And boy, is it. Yeah, it's, uh, this is actually, uh, a well done character study of a character who, until this point, we knew very little about. He was, and speaking as someone who generally has read the last several volumes of the Thor books including prior to Cull being introduced into the line of books, we never really knew much about him other than, you know, that he was the god of fear, he wanted to take the throne of Asgard, and that's why fear itself happened. I was going to ask that. Okay, good. So that's really the, that's the gist, that was the gist of the character up until very recently. Uh, the the character was uh, reintroduced into the story by Jason Aaron in the wake of uh, Jane Foster becoming Thor, and has kind of sculpted and worked in the background for uh, for a couple of years now. But in this issue, really comes to the forefront, and this is a really well done redemption tale. This is very much in the spirit of Scourge the Executioner and and, and Scourge's Last Stand. Uh, uh, from the Simonson run. I thought that uh, The Last Stand was going to what was actually reflected in Freya's story because Freya in uh, some of the uh, in, in some of the other War of the Realms books is defending a bridge which is what Scourge was doing back in that uh, in that issue of Thor from uh, Simonson's run when he was killed by the uh, the forces of hell. So uh, this is definitely reminiscent of that. This is a, a redemption story for, for Cull. And uh, it, w- it really was a good story. This is a, a, a good one-and-done story. This did not need to be stretched out over two issues. I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad that this was uh, done in this one issue. Yeah, I agree with that. There's been a couple of stories like that. I guess, uh, yeah, well in Water Realms, you know, those little character books, or actually actually not even them, I think the what I'm thinking of is the Amazing Spider-Man stuff, which we'll probably get to in a little bit, because there's been a couple of, like, little one-and-done story that actually tie into the story at some point. But, the Dot H.U. books. Yes, exactly. And this one is not that much different, you know, from that, and whereas you can see, okay, there's more to this character than, you know, 
than we knew already and kind of almost make you feel for them a little bit. So Right. And, they, and what, what's, what's great in this story is that Cole acknowledges all of the mistakes that he's made mm-hmm. and realizes, you know, that there are, you know, that, uh, you know, he actually says it in the story that, you know, it's taking him far too long to actually live and find some, you know, find some heart and in, 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 in the reason to, to, uh, to live. But at least he found it right before going out. And it, what's distressing is that, uh, you know, the, 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 these gods of Asgard, someone who is literally on a level of Odin minus the Odin power, right? Uh, gets taken down by all these dark elves and you realize that these dark elves are not messing around their 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 power level has been and their weapon level has been jacked up enormously for this story right um and i was about to say that um it's kind of interesting because i feel like cole could have gone through well cole went through an arc that loki probably could have gone through or might have at one point, but you know. But that said, uh, but that aside, um, Cole pretty much did to Odin what Fury did to Thor in Original Sin. Oh, with the whispering, yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, that's interesting. So, but yeah, this and was. Yeah. I was about to say, and as always, when it comes to as guardians, the ones who die uh, often are uh, often are revisited in the in the depths of hell. Uh, especially when hell is in charge, so right. you know, we'll see what happens, um, you know, in the future with the character. But this was a really great one and done story. Yep. So now we can move on to which. And by the way, if we if we hadn't figured that out, these are we're in the War of the Realms territory with all of these uh, next couple of books. Okay. That one. Uh, Fantasy Four number ten, which I think that might be it for that. In terms of the books I read, I think. Well, because I know, I know Immortal Hulk kind of mentions it, but does, but it doesn't hit it. No, not at all. Yeah, but yeah, Fantastic Four number ten, which is out of the books that I've read, also, um, um, this pretty much ends the uh, the, the tie-in books that we've read anyway. Because I know there's right. at least one other one. Yeah. So right. Fantastic Four number ten, um, you know, the team's back in on on Yancey Street. Uh, they're basically it's some little downtime. Teens are being teens, and oh, by the way, you did some stuff while we were away, so now you could, the punishment is being dealt out. Right, and I'm glad they never glossed over that. That this is a direct follow up to the events of recent issues. Hmm. Um, we get uh, a cameo, well, actually not just a cameo appearance by uh, Moon Girl and De- Devil Dinosaur, which I thought was a cameo going going into. It was like, oh look, there's. They just happen to pop up because obviously they're on Yancey Street um, while all this stuff comes up. And then um, uh, Black Party happens. Franklin <laughs> <laughs> just out of nowhere because you know that tends to happen. And of course, uh, I mean, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. But before that, I think that That's was well. Old school, I was gonna say that is old school New York right there. You don't see that all that often. You see it once in a while, but right. Uh, I you know I have to say that. Uh, this was something that has not yet been addressed. We're ten issues in, and I think the the, the FF because of the events of um, uh, the events in Latveria and uh, and and, and uh, Ben's wedding, we really have not seen. Um, and you know, and this is and this is the perfect time to do it. The effects of uh, 
the FF relocating to Yancey right. Street. And this was a great issue in which we got to see how the neighborhood was adjusting adjusting, maladjusting to to, to uh, their new neighbors. Right. Which, spoiler alert, Yancey Street is still Yancey Street. Right. Um, but yeah, like I said, there was, there was, um, there was, there were the teens being the team and Franklin being a little rebellious and then meeting up with, you know, as his, um, as his sentence is being, uh, dealt with, he's going through some things himself and meeting the Yancey street people and him trying to figure out his thing. And then of course the, the block party, like I said, and of course, War of the Realms rolls up on the doorstep so they get into the fight um and um you know that pretty much says well gets him gets them to now I'm assuming going to be in the main book at some point probably the next issue now that they're in the fight because they wouldn't just leave them to their own book but we also at the end of this issue get I guess um, another street level team of FF. Some would say the Future Foundation. Right, uh, that might what I was gonna attacking like, the block. Right, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think this might be the uh, the the the, uh, the ground level of the Future Foundation. Yeah, that's uh, what I was thinking. Because the beginning of the issue is a reference to where the majority of the former Future Foundation is right now. Um, they're all in space. Right. And that's re- that's clearly referenced and is a story point in the issue. Uh, at the end of the issue, we, we finish with a little bit of a splash of the, uh, the two Richards children teamed up with uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur to uh, hold down Yancey um, Street against the forces of uh, Malekith. So right, much like uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur did with Ben and Johnny right. before everything, you know, in her book um, a while back before the the rest of the, the FF came back. Right. So this is definitely. The, I think this might be the start of. I don't know if they're going to have uh, Lunella join uh, the Future Foundation, but they're probably going to be working together. Right. Uh, you know, tying in maybe. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I feel like at this point that's probably something they may. They may. Uh, I'm a few issues behind in her book. They'll they'll probably mm-hmm. mention some of that there. Right. If anything, and yeah, if she does happen to be in that Future Foundation book, then probably an appearance, not necessarily joining. So, but this was a good, a pretty good issue, and like I said, it, as, as a tie-in issue, it was, you know, it um, that was a misspelling. Hey, you know, it didn't get too crazy with it. Um, so that being the case, we will move on to. I think we may have like one more book and um oh let's let's flip back because i know you got both guys did this one um superman leviathan rising okay uh apparently uh matt wang has a lot of interest in this according to twitter yes yes he he um he did get at us on this and asked if we were reading this and i think we had all um chimed in on it at one point or another. We at least look at it. That's what, I mean, I think that's generally our attitude for a lot of this stuff. We are reviewing them after all. So, so here we go. 
So, I had talked recently about the Superman books and how the Superman books uh, were apparently leading into this Leviathan storyline. Um, and I thought it was kind of weird that it was going to go into this event and like all the Superman stuff was going to lead into this event um, and, and it not be a regular part of the Superman series. I thought was weird. And I also thought it was weird because Leviathan was Talia Al Ghul's group and she hadn't been part of the story. Well, lo and behold... We get this special, and we find Talia Al Ghul is is a part of this. Uh, it, you know, they did manage to bring her in, but um, is it? <laughs> but isn't that's the spoiler? <laughs> I'll ring the spoiler bell. Hold on. But but she is a part of Leviathan, and that's been a big part of what's been going on in the Silencer uh, miniseries. Or actually, it's not a miniseries; it's a series. But I think it's going to end. Um, but anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so Leviathan, you know, we've got this this group, this like criminal underworld group, and it has gotten involved in everything from like the Cobra cult to the the DEO, which is the um, was the Department of uh, is it extraterrestrial something like that? Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, anyway, organization. Um, yeah. So so it's like from these government groups to even like the the villainous cults, whatever. Uh, Leviathan has been you know weaving in and out of all this stuff, and uh, the story that we got basically was they kidnap Clark Kent uh, to try to get to Superman, uh, which you would think, well, you know, obviously Superman's just going to attack. Except they put kryptonite on Clark Kent so that when Superman comes, it'll make Superman weak. And that, of course, makes Clark Kent weak. And <laughs> thus we have uh, a conundrum going on here. Um, but this was one of these stories where there was a bunch of stuff that had been going on in action comics and some things in Superman comics. And they you know wove those together into this. Um, we got... Uh, uh, some of the stuff, like I said, you know, with Talia Al Ghul and some of that stuff going on, it, it looks like they're bringing that stuff in that we've been seeing happening in, in some of the other books. And then right in the middle, we get this weird five page <laughs> Jimmy Olsen story, uh, which is like a throwback <clears throat> to the old Jimmy Olsen 50s and 60s crazy stories. Um, and this one, oddly enough, involves the Red Lantern cat that vomits blood on people. Uh, so if anybody remembers reading the Red Lantern series, you get a throwback to that. So so it's just like this weird... If you watch The Hangover, it's basically like a very compact version of The Hangover. Or, but, if, but you've, not, or if you've played Injustice, where, Injustice 2, where that cat actually uh, is in there. But, but I was going to say, not just is that story weird but the fact that that story's in this mix and the mix of everything in this special is kind of weird because this is a special before the miniseries kicks off so this is the special for people who haven't been reading a lot of the Superman stuff don't really know what's going on you, you can read this and kind of get caught up on, on some of that stuff without having to go too deep into reading that stuff so it was, it was a weird way to, to, to bring all this stuff in and we saw there's actually um, there was a scene with uh, Superman and I think his name is Mr. Bones, um, who's basically a skeleton, but he works for the DEO. Um, and there was a conversation between the two of them in the comic. And then this shows two people standing nearby while that conversation was going on, having a different conversation in the back uh, and with Supergirl involved and all this stuff. So, again, it's just one of these weird it's almost like a sampler of the DC universe, but tried instead to be put together into one uh, coherent special 
of all these different characters coming about. And it was, like I said, it was weird, but it was really entertaining. Um, <laughs> I mean, even if you don't really know 100% what's going on, at least it was interesting. And we see more, one of the things I was complaining about with this Leviathan guy who's coming in to take over the Leviathan group is that we don't really know anything about him. He's just been kind of hinted at here and there in a couple of comics. So this put much more of a spotlight on him so we we see him a little bit more he talks more we see his personality more so we do know a little bit more about him as we go into the event which i think is something they really needed to do i was lamenting that a lot last week so i'm glad to see that they've done something with that but i'm still just kind of at this weird spot where i'm trying to figure out what exactly is this story going to be about other than a villain in charge of a villainous, you know, wh- how is this not just Cobra Commander and Cobra taking over and fighting the Joes? Like, there's got to be something more to it other than the fact that he probably has some sort of superpower. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to figure out what exactly that hook is going to be, but I'm much more ready for the event now after the special than I was last week when I got to the end of action and it was just like to be continued in the Leviathan event. Is this tying in with Supergirl? I haven't read Supergirl uh, in a while because they they switched with a different writer and it's not I forget who it is but I remember seeing that writer on it and being like meh so I have no idea what's going on and I bring that up right I bring that up because the you know yeah well I do know in the comic uh, in the New Fifty Two when they read it the first time yes uh, Kara was living with those two people as her surrogate parents um, as her cover story right Um, so. Right, and what PCN underscore dirt is, is is referencing is uh, Supergirl's appearance in this book, and a strike against her uh, surrogate family. So that's where Supergirl appears, and you know it seemed like they were going after all people with the uh, with the uh, what you call it the, uh, the the House of L. <laughs> well, they've just they've actually been going after everybody. Like I said, they've been going after the 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 super powered like the suicide squad and amanda waller's group and you know a task force x is actually what it's called um, but but all of those groups have also been attacked and when you see in this special um you see this this big hulking character walks up to the house where uh, supergirl's parents are and explodes um and that is something that's been happening in uh, the Superman comics that they were showing with some of this different stuff. Okay. You, you, don't, you don't know what these things are. You don't know where they come from. You don't know, is this like a, a guy whose superpower is he explodes? Right. And then, you know, he just reconstitutes himself and goes on to the next one. Or are these, are these, you know, uh, like terrorists um, that they've trained to go out and suicide bomb or, you know, what, you don't know what's going on with these things, but that has been an ongoing thing. Okay. This big hulking figure walks into a room and explodes and destroys a headquarters or someone that they've been trying, the government's been trying to protect or, you know, tries yeah. to kill Amanda Waller or whatever. Okay. By the way, the Department of Extra Normal Operations. Ah, Extra Normal. Yeah. Thank you. Oh. That would save a message or two. But I have to admit, I read the Red Lantern series when it was out, mm-hmm. and at first, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was supposed to be the same cat. So the cat like pukes up blood, and I'm like, whoa, like what the hell? Like why? Why is this a thing? Right. You know. And then it pukes up more blood, and then it pukes up more, and then it just like coats the entire room in blood. And then I'm like, oh right, okay, that's the Red Lantern. 
Right, and here I am thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so I'm flipping past, like, oh, this makes no sense. Moving on. So, so it actually does make sense in a way. So, right. go figure. But, but yeah, it's like I said, I'm a lot more enthusiastic about the event. It still doesn't. Yeah, it's about to say, it still doesn't explain why that comes into the middle of, of this. But I guess, I guess, like we said earlier, like maybe that has something to do with his his book coming. Jimmy Olsen's book that's coming. I don't know. Yeah, I'm guessing they want to give you a flavor of what his series is going to be like. But then I'm also guessing that his 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 wife, right, um, whose last name he apparently took, um, she'll somehow come back into play in in all of this. So they want to do something with her to to show her being in there. So um, yeah, like I said, it was it was interesting. It was a lot of fun. Cool, cool. Um, maybe one more, and then we rapid fire this puppy. Alrighty. Uh, Mortal Hulk, number eighteen. Sure. So, um, this book continues to be full of references to the Hulk universe, and there was a um, what I believe to be a, a right parallel between this and the, and the kaiju universe uh, that was that was mentioned in the book because I never didn't and I didn't think about it because I think there was a reference to like kaiju in this issue and I'm like you know what the Hulk first kind of is because there's like different kinds of Hulks and like there are different kind of kaiju in that kind of place uh, but in this one we see Bruce kind of quote unquote waking up after 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 Joe fix it you know kind of has this turn with him and Joe set him up somewhere kind of fixes him up and and set him off on a mission and uh, Bruce kind of goes off to uh, I guess the second place you would find a Joe Fixer type character (laughs) as a as a play on something Um, but he's also being followed by another long standing uh, Hulk um Hulk villain to which uh halfway through his we the inevitable fight happens but before then we find out that Betty Ross is still not only still alive but she has revolted she has reverted into i guess a new version of a Hulk form of hers right as, it's, a, it's a combined version right so, like I said, this this book continues to just like play on the Hulk lore, and there are references galore because they like they've brought up like two or three different people, um, including who shows up at you know at the end of the or who we find out what a character is at the end of this book. But at the same time, you have people like the Absorber Man and Titania working for for um, Gamma Flight. And reference making a reference to between you know like Doc Simpson and Titania because apparently there's history there, which I couldn't find out anything about because I was like, well, I don't know what that's about. But mm. yeah, that was a little different. Um, I was I, I bumped on that too because I I wasn't 100 percent sure where that where or when that happened. Right, because at first I thought they were talking about Betty, but I was like, that can't be right. All right, so um, a couple things. One, Joe Bennett's art. Uh, on this is sufficiently creepy. Yes, the way he's the way he's done. Uh, you know the way he's portrayed a lot of these characters, characters that we're very familiar with, in very 
it just I, I, the creepy is the only way I can I can describe it in a very creepy manner. It's almost um, like into a Franco uh, video type thing, except for less orange. Right, and obviously, you know, speaking of you know the my my enhanced uh, appreciation for uh, digital coloring, Paul Mounts, a longtime Marvel colorist, has uh, you know does a bang up job on this, and he may have done several of the uh, previous issues on the series. Um, there's definitely a lot of great mood lighting as well, um, you know, in this very much horror. Uh, infused and 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 uh, 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 story. It's it's just a very it's very much a horror infused story. More much more so than your regular superhero fare. So there's a reason why um, this this comic has struck a, a chord with a lot of readers because it's not your standard um, superhero story, and uh, it definitely gives you the creeps. Yeah, or can. Yeah, if you're right. susceptible to that. Um, well, don't 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 fret and say the uh, the abomination redesign, the, the the facial redesign didn't creep you out just a little bit. It's very. Uh, it was definitely weird because it's like wait, they just it's very Stranger Things influence and aliens. I would I would have said because it was like yes, that was my second one. Yeah, it's like a, it's like you look like a face hugger now. What's going on here? Um, right. But yeah, like I said. Where comes the abomination comes a big fight between he and the Hulk. Uh, but what we don't know during the course of this fight is like, it, which the Hulk tends to mention, he was like, well, is it Blonsky or is it somebody else they got? And which was a key telling, you know, that Hulk is on kind of up on things because it's like, well, you know, he's very observant. Right. As of late. Oh, and there's a, there was also a, another part where uh, Banner and the Hulk was kind of chopping it up about that whole end of the world plan, which got brought up during the Avengers thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, so apparently that is still in play, and, and Banner's on board with that or something. That's what I guess that's what you make out of that. But you also see him kind of, you know, sketching out the different forms, the the Hulk and personality forms that have uh, shown up so far. So and I'm sure that's that's and and including ones that are missing, including one that struck me as interesting. Um, but I know that's been a thing in the comics, but also just uh, something that was in Endgame. So mm. uh, that was kind of interesting. Um, the only other thing I'm, I'm kind of curious about is like, well, out of everybody that's shown up, and I know like She-Hulk has shown up with the Avengers in past issues, and I'm sitting here like, clearly there's got to be a turn. Where she comes back in, and they they kind of hash that out in Amadeus show as well. Them being also prominent figures in the whole whole canon now, anyway. Right. Or at least as far as in Amadeus is now, but obviously She Hulk's been there for a while. So I'm curious, kind of curious as to when they're going to show up in this. But outside of that, hey, this this is still another pretty great issue with some twists. <laughs> this is. This is listen. This is drawing people in. You know, people are picking up the trades. It's definitely worth catching up on. Right. And the last thing I'll say is like there is a missing person that ends up coming back, uh, who's also tied very deeply to the Hulk lore at yeah. the end of this issue. So, alrighty, check that out. Um, I believe unless somebody else has got something else, we can go rapid fire. No, I'll spin it up. 
Third, are you all right? Okay. Hit it. All right. Um, maybe I'll go first. I think I've got the most books left. Yeah, and you still, you and I still have a book together, but let's handle that. All righty. Uh, Batman, Last Night on Earth, number one. This is uh, the reunion of Scott Snyder and uh, Greg Capullo on Batman, and it's a story about. Uh, uh, it's actually, you know, for adults because there's some language um, in, in in the book, um, but uh, it's a it's 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 a story about uh, a possible future and uh, some of the mechanisms that. Uh, Batman is put into place. It's very reminiscent of uh, Batman Beyond, a story point in Batman Beyond. Um, I'll leave it at that. It's definitely worth looking at. Um, it's uh, uh, part of the DC Black Label um, imprint, and it's definitely it's definitely an interesting read. Um, this is the first issue. I'm not 100% sure how many issues have been solicited as being part of this uh, this publication, but uh, there is uh, to be continued at the end of this issue. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 22. This is the final issue. I don't know if you read this, uh, Roddy. Yep. Okay, so this is the last issue that we have in common. So this is Hunted, the storyline, part six. And this is the culmination of um, the sequel to Craven's Last Hunt. And the way it plays out, uh, I felt like we were not going to get a satisfying ending until we got one. Right. I, I felt like this. Well, I mean, I'm guessing that's what this that next book is going to be because this felt a little, little too tidy in, in spots. When you say the next book, what are you referring to? The the issue after this with the conclusion. Oh, the, kind of like an aftermath. Like right. Actually. And even still, just like, well, this is, if that's a conclusion and what happens here, like, there seems like things were tied up in this, but there's also a couple of loose strings. Sure. Which I'm uh, sure, if it doesn't come out in the next issue, will probably come up at some point. Right. So, but ultimately, we get the we get the finale. You know, the the the, the majority of well, the, the the main story that we've been following through. Uh, these uh, last few months in Amazing is tied up. And as I mentioned, I wasn't sure we were going to get a good ending until we actually got it. So I thought that Spencer did a great job of uh, messing and subver- messing with us and subverting our expectations until a small twist led to, um, you know, led to a, 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 a kind of a satisfying ending. Um, to a sequel to uh, what, in my opinion, was always one of the best Spidey stories I read growing up. And obviously, you know, it's, it's proven to be very popular for a lot of people as well. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I definitely enjoyed the, uh, the execution of the story. Yeah, like I said, it, it, there, outside of the, for, for me, it kind of felt like, yeah, it was good, but it was like, I was like, this seems a little too tidy in spots. And again, like I said, because of the way one one part of the ending right. kind of came about. It was like, okay, this clearly can't be the end of that. Honestly, my big, the, to me, the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, downside in this series has been Ramos's art. Mm. I don't think it's dramatic enough. I don't think it's realistic enough. It doesn't carry the same weight that Mike Zek's art did in the first series. Uh, 
you know, that's one of the reasons why that series has stood the test of time. Um, you know, through, uh, you know, Spidey reboots and, and whatever, people still keep going back to it. So uh, that's that. Um, Daredevil number six. So this is the continuation of um, uh, the aftermath of Daredevil kind of hanging it up for a little while. And we get to see all the ramifications of that and uh, side effects uh, that, that that happen in uh, Hell's, Kitchen, Hell's Kitchen and the police precinct that patrols Hell's Kitchen and Detective Cole North, who was uh, basically uh, Mr. Anti-Superhero, Anti-Vigilante. Um, and uh, we're getting to see a little bit of a comeuppance um, for him in this issue. We've started to see it in previous issues, but it's really come to the forefront in this issue. Um, so we did Doomsday Clock, FF, Immortal Hulk, Magnificent Mar- Miss Marvel number three. You didn't read that this week? I did. Okay, so that's another book that we had in common. Um, we can just discuss this very quickly. This is the follow-up to the reveal that uh, Kamala is being tested and uh, she is somebody's only hope. And um, eventually Kamala and her parents are transported off-world to a place where things are not as they seem. Right, which and, I thought happened faster than I expected it to. Well, right, definitely, definitely. But I'm kind of glad it did because mm-hmm. I think the crux of the story isn't with that, but with the... Uh, what did her mother say? He, uh, did it describe him? It was a great line. Oh, um, the, the the shirtless... Uh, muscular muscular man, shirtless man. Yeah, that yeah. was a great, great... Uh, that was worth the price of admission <laughs> right there, folks. So, yeah, and the whole thing was done in her... Um, she, was, she was the one that was narrating this. I was like, okay. I it was the mother and the father. Was it? Yeah. Okay, well, I must have missed that part. I think so. I'm not. Uh, I, the way I read it was that it was the mother and the father. Okay, I just read it. It was just the mother. It was so. the mother and the father, kind of going back and forth, mm. um, depending on who was um, who was uh, the focus of the particular panel. Sure, that's how I interpreted it. So that's uh, who was. Um, being that's who the focus of the thought balloons were um so that's that was a great i i really enjoyed this book um but that particular uh panel it's the next to last page was the worth the price of admission right there <laughs> yep. uh let's see so we did thor war of the realms heroes in crisis and black panther number 12 did you read that too i also read that yes Alrighty, so Black Panther, so we're running through a lot of your uh, rapid fire as well. Uh, Black Panther number 12, uh, I've expressed my frustration with the story. I know that Roddy Cat has counseled to uh, just kind of stick with it. I think I don't give it enough time. I don't I don't give enough time to reading it, and that's really um, the biggest problem with this uh, series thus far since the relaunch and the intergalactic empire of Wakanda story started. There's stuff at the beginning in the notes in, in the uh, intro page that that you have to read to remind yourself of what's going on, and there are notes and notes at the end of the book that are pretty much necessary reading. And if you do not uh, read those, you will lose a lot of the context of what you have just read. Possibly. So, and although I, although I keep feeling like I'm, they're missing one because 
Um, and maybe I need to read back, and it is one of, in one of those ones. But but those are good reads to definitely kind of get you up to speed with. As well as the maps that uh, Coates and his right. uh, fellow co-creators have put together to give you an understanding of the depth of the uh, corner of the universe in which the, the, the Empire of Wakanda exists. So, because right. I feel uh, like the the part where they he actually sent the the, the initial group out into space did actually show up in a, in a comic in a, in a Black Panther comic I just can't remember where and I, I want to say it was like either before in, uh, an event happened or a roundabout it could have been I in one of the ones mentioned in, I want to say that was in that one shot the um, uh, the whatchamacallit that the, the giant size um, book I forget what it was um, I forget the title of it but you know I remember seeing that that was in right. I, I believe it was in that one shot issue um I just don't recall the title. Wait, uh, do you you talking about for Black Panther or are you talking about for not Marvel Legacy? Was that what, what the title of it was? No, because I, I read I went back and read through Marvel Legacy. And I'm like, well, that basically it just basically alluded to stuff that was in here already or okay. in the thing. But yeah, I, but like you, I do remember there was something I just don't remember where it is. I'm not sure if those those books in the back are. The ones that I'm thinking about. It's, it's a small point, but it was just one that was like kind of kind of stuck with me through this whole thing. All right, I'm done. All right, uh, Dirk, do you want to do yours? Yeah. So my last one uh, is something that kind of came out of nowhere, uh, but this from Source Point Press. It's called Sham Comics, and this is um, I don't know if you want to call it a remix. They took public domain golden age comics and they reworded them and redid uh, special effect balloons. Uh, they put all new ads in them that are all um, you know, bad puns or off-color jokes or whatever. And this whole thing is just a joke from beginning to end using public domain golden age comics. And in fact, it's even printed golden age size. So your regular bags and bags and boards will not fit this comic. It is bigger, um, bigger, even, bigger even than the Silver Age comic bags and boards that are yeah, normal. like like you like it's just it's it's bigger than your regular comic. So you have to have special you know bags and boards for it. But um, this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to look through. There's there's different things in here like um, lingerie lasts. There's an ad and it says uh, you know. Uh, fighting crime in her undies. Get yours today before the comics code puts an end to her adventures. Oh no! And you know it just has like this little ad at the bottom of the page for one of those old comics. There's a thing on the back that comic books are the enemies of the youth, and it talks about how some guy sold drugs just so he could get the money to buy comics. Oh. Uh, you know, just like fun, dumb, stupid stuff. It's uh, you know different writers going through and redoing them. Um, so some are a little bit better than others. Uh, and some of the source material that they work with is a little easier to reword the stuff than some of the other stories. Um, but it's neat to go through and see. Some of them are even printed on, I don't know if this is going to show up at all, uh, but the page background is actually yellow on some of these. So it looks like the old pages. Okay. Whereas some of them are on bright white pages. Um, so they actually look like they came from different comics, you know, merged together. Uh, in here, so it's just kind of a neat, um, fun, dumb, 
thing that they did. I like seeing the old Golden Age stuff, but it's just kind of funny to see how they went through. And uh, like, there's this one character, the Red Roid and Pooter. And Pooter is his little sidekick, and he just farts. Like, every time you see the sidekick, he just he just farts. So, I don't have that sound effect, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but this is uh, originally published in WoW Comics 64, 1948. Wow. And they even have the credits. They track down the original writers and the artists. Originally published in Smash Comics 32, March 1942. Um, so it's just kind of, uh, you know. Th- again, this is this is a... Uh, it's a, it's a nothing. It's just a fun little gag thing to have laying around, but it's neat. I, I love the the look of that that classic, you know, forties comic. Everything was action comics or adventure comics or jungle comics, and this is sham comics. Uh, and it's just fun to go through and and just see new stories using the same uh, old golden age public domain stuff that's already out there. So it's a neat it's a neat idea, and I give him, I give him kudos for that. Got or, it. Or kudos. Kudos. <laughs> oh. uh, so moving right along, I only have one more book, and that is Transformers number six. Um, and in my notes, I basically say that there are times reading this this uh, book where I'm wonder where in the world in time that it is being placed because it seems like it is before the stuff that we know like well before the stuff that we know and possibly well before the stuff that was in the last few volumes of uh, Transformers books but then I don't know there's like one or two pages in here that just kind of make me think I was like wait wait maybe this is afterwards because they keep mentioning it was like yeah after the war after the war after the war I was like okay well I know about a war and, like, and granted that's not saying that a war could not have happened well before you know the one we all know about but uh I don't know. That, it seems kind of strange, but then there's also some things. It's like, well, clearly this is well before that, and when Prime, oh, well, excuse me, when Orion Pax and Megatron were quote unquote young, you know, because in this issue, um, you know, uh, Orion Pax goes to see somebody and then takes a trip down memory lane where he and uh, before he and Megatron kind of had a rift between them, and matter of fact. I'm not saying it's the event that causes because it's basically they're them getting to uh, in a um, it's a memory where they're kind of differing in their opinions or they were already pretty much differing in their opinions and the people they're following and want them to go down one path but they want to you know kind of do their thing Megatron kind of takes uh, uh, Orion Pax and on a little mischief mission. Or Orion is a little along for a little mischief mission, you know, that um, I assume is going to go somewhere <laughs> at some point. I don't know. Or that was just a one-off. I'm like, hey, this happened. And from here on, they just kind of split in their ways. But, yeah, like I said, the, the, the time frame of this is still not very much clear. But it's, so far, it's still, you know... Um, a pretty decent read, especially if you're getting in on the ground floor of this, I guess. Because at part of this, you seem like, okay, you would think I would need to know about some of the more the past stuff that, uh, in the comic books, but it doesn't seem like it. Uh, and that, folks, is that. And we're now doing the uh, Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! And we already have one from one Tim Dog ninety eight, and that is Amazing Spider Man number twenty two. Ah, that's a good choice. It's a good yeah. choice. There's, some, there's a nice couple story beats in there. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Anybody else? Well, mine is, uh, I'm going to go with Heroes in Crisis. No, I'm not. Ah! <laughs> I was about to say, what, what? So that would that would have been the time we needed the record scratch. Yeah, right? <laughs> Jazz music stops. <laughs> right? Um, All right. Close enough. Uh, but no, I am going to go with Doomsday Clock because I love the metaverse. You you were That's pretty well on, on top of that one. So, yeah. Good choice, too. All right. Uh, I've read a lot this week. I've got a lot to consider. So. Yeah, same. Okay, that version. Great. Um, <laughs> shout out to Alex Trebek and his, whatever's going on with yeah, this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's why I was playing it. I was willing to let it play. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of stuck because I really did read. It's funny that um, uh, Tim uh, Tim Dog ninety eight was uh, uh, contacting us, and um, while it is well, it was kind of a, a light week in terms of books. It wasn't light in terms of what I was reading. A lot right. of what I read actually came was released this week, you know, due to the holiday. So. Uh, I had plenty to read this week. Um, that was still a couple of them I didn't even get around to. Right, and throw in throw in some of the DC books that I, that uh, uh, that I wanted to get to kind of gave me the impetus to uh, to get through a lot this week. Like dog I really days enjoyed of summer. a lot. What was that? Dog Days of Summer. Right. Um, man, I'm tempted to go with Doomsday Clock number ten as well, but. Um. Yeah, I get the thumbs up from PC. Double <laughs> thumbs up on that one. Yeah. Uh, because I did enjoy the. I, I did enjoy as I, as we as we as we elaborated on during our conversation. Like I, I enjoyed some of the uh, the panels. Like look at how many times they've killed off the Kents. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go with that. Doomsday Clock number ten. Even though. Uh, you know, shout out to Mortal Hulk number eighteen, and definitely Thor number thirteen as well. Yeah, Mortal Hulk definitely. Um, I'm thinking I might actually go with Black Panther number twelve because we are finally starting to get to, uh, turned the corner on this. I know we have, we have probably said that a couple of different times in, in the past, but we this is the definite turning point, right? And him starting to get back to Earth. And uh, the pieces are getting back into place for that. So there we go. Alrighty, yay! Uh, and I guess, um, hey, Dirt, did you get anything from um, Matt? What do you mean? Did he send you anything? Yeah, never, no. never mind. I guess not. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> oh, oh, did he send out boxes again? Yeah. Yeah, he's cleaning. Uh, he's cleaning. No, I missed out. This I guess I wasn't on the show that week, so I didn't get to put in my request. <laughs> you want to do a, 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 an unboxing right now, real quick? Yeah, really quick. I don't know if you want to stick around for that or no. Uh, uh, I can hang out for a minute. So and so here is what the hell? Um, what uh, Matt sent me this is a book called Voyage to the Voyage to the Deep. It is an IDW book, apparently. Um, this is a remake. 
to enter in the early 1960 Dell Comics. Oh, Dell Comics inspired by the successful hit movie Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea, and they recruited legendary comics artist Sam Glansman, himself a Native veteran. So I'm just opening this up, and this looks like Cthulhu, by the way. So I don't know. Uh, but right. yes, as you can see, this is a hardback book, and I, I'm guessing these are reprints. If not, it's, it's, it's damn good stuff. Yeah, it, it definitely looks like an old comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. So there's that, and there's also I feel like there's a, okay. There's a definite theme going on here. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, Midway. Uh, from the pages of Combat, which I, that's something I keep seeing on Comicsology, those combat books. Also, Sam Glansman. So again, there, there's a. Um, I don't know what 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 Matt was. Um... This was the corner of the office dedicated to uh, historical wars. Clearly, clearly, because I got some of that stuff too. I don't okay. have I don't have ready access to it. At, right. uh, it's downstairs. But, uh... Gotcha. And actually, he must have sent. Oh wait, hold on. Did he send two copies of that? Oh no! Okay, because there's another one called Dunkirk. There, that- from the pages of, of Combat. So again, Sam Glansman. And let's see, in a book called Destiny NY. Alrighty. Says uh, set in a version of New York City where magic is real and accepted part of life. Logan McBride struggles to find purpose. Okay, he must like he must know I like magic books because yeah, that's. This is, sounds kind of sort of like up my alley. Uh, at the top it says, adulting is hard. Adulting when you used to be a magical girl is way, way harder. Now that part I wouldn't know anything about, so. <laughs> Alrighty. But you know what? Hey, respect it. Um, and last but not least, we have a little poster from... Oh, right. The Princess Who Saved Herself. Yes. I've heard about this. From Greg Park. Right. And, and Takeshi Miyazawa. Yep. So, that's always cool. So, actually, I don't know. I feel like I should check that book out. Um, but that's it. That's what I got. Yay! I got very similar so thanks stuff to Matt. Uh, from uh, at MattWang97. So, thank you for the gift packages. Yes. If you're ever cleaning out your office and you come across, I don't know, one, two, maybe three thousand dollars, you wanna, you know, you know, you wanna break over it, I will gladly take it. You know, I will take one for the team. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, but unless anybody else got something to um, to show, then we will go into the ad reads. But I guess yeah, um, we can bid PCN underscore dirt a good yep. night. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm going to go pass out now. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. Take it easy, Turtle. See you next week. Talk to you guys later. Later. All righty. Our first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your tastes and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off, and to help keep our show free for you, 
go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink Wines through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we roll into the news. And as we start off, as we do every week with the cinematic news, um, and we start off with the little Star Wars news within that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic adaptation land screenwriter, according to uh, Newsarama's report. Big step. Yep, definitely so. And let me see, just, 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 just to say who it is. Yes, Bat- uh, Alita Battle Angels screenwriter Leita Calagritis. I hope I pronounced that right. I've still not seen that movie. So, yeah. There you go. All right. Um, next up, uh, Tilda Swinton uh, explained why her Avengers Endgame scene had to be reshot. Uh, apparently, the gist of the story is that they had to that it was rewritten. Right. So she and a couple of plot points had been changed, so they had to tweak uh, the scene and tweak um, the Ancient One's costume. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up. Falcon and Winter Soldier, everything to know about the DC, the Disney MCU series. So we know that um, the, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to have a buddy cop show. We don't know. Well, I guess we didn't know the gist of what's going to happen to it. But this article has, I guess, what they know up until now and what potentially is going to be about. So if you're curious about that, you can go check that out. All right, next up, there is a rumor out there that the WandaVision Disney Plus show may end up giving uh, the Scarlet Witch her most important comics power. The rumor is, according to a podcast, that the Scarlet Witch will get her reality-altering powers, and uh, it's basically, over the course of the show, Wanda's going to come into her power set, and the reality-altering powers from the comic are going to make their way into the MCU. Hmm. Again, this is, this is from a podcast, and right. apparently people reporting it uh, as... Well, Pure maybe. rumor. Yeah, but I don't know. I feel like some rumors probably maybe not need to be reported on. That's, that's kind of... You know, it's kind of curious mm-hmm. at a certain point. Anyway, but that is, a, that is a rumor. I mean, that one could be... It could happen. Sure. Because if you think about it, because I know there was that other rumor that uh, she was going to be responsible for bringing mutants into the MCU, but that's also a rumor. So, uh, Grey's Anatomy's Alex Landy, uh, ready to be Marvel's Shang-Chi. Uh, we talked about another person who was also wanting to, or potentially in the running, to be Shang-Chi, and this guy says, uh, who, wait a minute. Alex Landy says, It would be dope to play Shang-Chi in Marvel Studios upcoming films. The actor who plays Dr. Nico Kim uh, has thrown his hat into the ring. So, Oh, yeah, right. Crazy Anatomy. Duh. So, yeah, somebody else wants to be Shang-Chi. I'm still kind of bucking for the other dude, personally. The other dude from um, the, the Tarantino movie that's coming out? 
Uh, yeah, oh yes, right. He is going to be. Well, Mike I, I, Mole, I, I'm not going to. Ho- yeah, I'm not going to hold that against him. But yes, right. I think he was also in the Street Fighter series, that little uh, web series that happened. Right. So right, yeah, right, right. the guy but, that played uh, Ryu. Right. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, but we'll see how that pans out in the coming months, years. I don't know. Whenever that happens. Next. Or Ryu. Um. All right. Uh, the kindergarten cop that we all remember is playing teacher in. Stan Lee's a superhero kindergarten. So Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not a tumor. <laughs> is going to voice kindergarten teacher Arnold Armstrong in Stan Lee's superhero kindergarten. The animated children's series it was the final project developed by Stan Lee before he passed in November of 2018. Um, and... Uh, the series is inspired by Kindergarten Cop, the 1990 uh, comedy directed by Ivan Reitman and starring uh, Arnold the Terminator. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> what does he do? Oh, my gosh. Oh, boy. So, yes, that's the thing that's happening. And uh, I'm not sure if it says uh, when that's coming out. But apparently, yeah, there's, there's, there's a story about that, and he, uh, Arnold and Stanley had, had some plans or had similar thoughts about Kindergarten Cop, and now it's something animated, I guess. Um, Anthony Michael Hall and Sherry Som, whom I feel like I know from another name, but um, joins Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yes, that Anthony Michael Hall. All righty. Uh, who, who will be playing Mr. Kitson, whom Marvel describes as the fiendish ruler of an alien empire. Uh, the planet Kitson briefly appeared in May 24th episode. I am so behind an agent, uh, an agent of shit. I don't know what's going on. Um, you know who Michael, uh, uh, Anthony Michael Hall is. We don't, we don't really have to do that, but we're science folks. Breakfast club, 16 candles, all of that. Um, all right, he did do that Dead Show show. And Sherry Som will play another alien, Atara, which I actually know somebody by that name. That's funny. Uh, an aggressive Chronicom who wants something from our team. And she was uh, in the Fosters, that um, that um, Freeform channel show, which some, I've heard some people like. Um, and she's also going to be in Lock and Key that's coming up, too. So, yeah, there you go. Next up. All righty. Um, the New Mutants reshoots still haven't happened, according to Simon Kinberg. But apparently they will, and that the movie is now still coming, or the now is coming out in 2020. Right. In April 2020. So there's still time for it, but, uh, you know, since it's been pushed back, but it is definitely still on the Marvel schedule. Yes. Um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animator shares video of her acting out scenes for reference. So, um, Emma She, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that's how she pronounces his name. I do not know. Uh, put yeah. out a video that shows her going through various, um, you know, shots. Because she says in this article, as an animator, you know, when she was going to school as an animator, she learned that in order to get kind of shots you want, you needed to be some reference point. So some of the shots that she's that they've done for in the bottom first, she's done on video herself. As you can nice. see, uh, a a still of one, the the infamous fry eating scene. <laughs> 
So that's a neat little video. I hadn't watched it yet, but um, seems cool. Next up. Speaking of Into the Spider-Verse, uh, Jake Johnson uh, has been cast in ABC Stumptown as Gray McConnell, the male lead opposite series lead Kobe Smulders. Um, Stumptown is an adaptation of a comic book. It is. And Maria Hill is apparently in it. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Titans behind the scenes video teases Isai Morales's Slade Wilson's look. Isai? Is it Isai? Isai? I know, I've heard the name before. I don't know. Please. Either way, um, and that's in Brazilian or Portuguese, so I don't know what that is saying. But yeah, there's a behind the scenes video, and, um, at some point he'll be coming to, to Titans. Next. Uh, next, Harley Quinn's Kaylee Cuoco teases the animated series, the Harley Quinn animated series, with new art. So, um... She, you know, Kaylee Cuoco was voicing Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. and she shared a new piece of artwork from the show. Which you can see if you're watching the video. I mean, it looks good. Sure, it looks Tim, uh, Tim, Tim-esque. You're right. So, cool beans on that. Um, Swamp Thing DC Universe series cast Michael Beach as Nathan Ellery, which slightly confuses me a little bit because if you think about it, Michael Beach was in Aquaman, but then again, his, his spoiler, his character dies. Hmm. Um, so is this <laughs> so is this a reincarnator? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. You know, uh, but yeah, he's going to be in the Swamp Thing uh, show as a as a character. I'm not familiar with Swamp Thing enough to know who this person might be, but his, apparently he, he's a villain. So um, there is also, which I don't think I have in this thing, there's a like a teaser trailer uh, that is out for Swamp Thing that that drops sometime this week. So you can go check that out if you're interested. Okay. Next up. Next up. Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had a post-credits scene which debuted a new threat. So taking the page from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, the animated movie which pit the Dark Knight against the sewer-dwelling crime fighters from NYC um, apparently have uh, the, uh, the Shredder Yep. Uh, entering into an alliance with Rachel Ghoul, and uh, I don't know what's going on with the post credit scene. You have to watch it. Yep, sadly, not being voiced by Uncle Phil, who passed on. All right, who also played well, you, you know, come on, you know, he played Shredder in the, the mm-hmm. show. So, anywho. Uh, Batman writer Tom King co-writing New Gods movie with Ava DuVernay. So this was this first came out as rumor uh, early in the weekend. Come to find out it, it, it was confirmed shortly thereafter. So not only well we got some more Tom King coming up a little bit later, but uh, this was you know this was cool to see. I would imagine it has um, and I think I feel like there was. Ava DuVernay came out and said that she really liked Mr. Miracle also at some point. I, so I know so. she's a big fan of Big Barda, but right. Um, and I'm, I can't. I, I would imagine if that is the case, then that could be why. 
Tom King got tasked with this. So good on him. You know, especially with all the controversy that he has been having to deal with. Um, well, maybe controversy is kind of strong, but all of the silliness that he's had to deal with, with you know, with um, his his stuff. I, I would almost dare say, including maybe someone argued some what we said about it here in the crisis earlier, but no. Um, moving right along. Next up, uh, the Hellboy reboot. Take the next one too. Has finished its disastrous box office run with a dismal total of twenty one point nine million dollars. Obviously, it doesn't have the same budget as Endgame. But $21.9 million is pretty, pretty bad. Uh, I think we have a sound effect for this. Um, I was hoping you were going to do it. Yep. Yep, you beat me to it. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, the next one is, the next story is Hellboy's David Harbour says, Marvel stuff has spoiled us for other comic book movies, so that's some that that's some uh, sore loserness right there, you know. Kinda. So uh, one, so it, it we should go ahead and say that he did also recognize that it's not um, Marvel's fault, according to this article that Hellboy didn't do as well. It also, quote unquote, it also had major problems. He noted, added that it will be quote unquote fun movie to rent or see on a flight. Brutal self burn. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but well, mm. I actually I do know what that means because sometimes flight movies or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that whole even that was the yeah. But see, the thing is, we didn't need it, so you know what we do with things we don't need. <laughs> so like with a big ass gun, like Hellboy has. Um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, oh, that's a that's a it's inspired by a, a shotgun sound effect. Um, shout out to uh, Eclectic. Um, so I shout out, shout out to Doom because that sounds like the Doom shotgun, right? And, and and shout out to John Wick too because uh, you know he makes uh, a lot of use of uh, shotguns in the movies as well. <laughs> yes, um, but I was going to say real quick that yeah, if he if that last part hadn't been said about you know he was like well it wasn't just you know what he recognized the faults of his own movie I would have been like you know. People have been joining other movies outside of Marvel, like, I don't know, the DC movie. Well, specifically Shazam and Aquaman. Right. Uh, and, of course, there have been other comic book-like movies. I hear people's liking that Brightburn movie. That's not necessarily a comic book movie, but it's kind of in that vein. So I'm like, yeah, whatever the heck he was talking about <laughs> with that thing was it whatever. Anywho, you know, I was about to say, David Harbour, you know what you can do with that? So, yes, yes. Moving on. Shout out to Doom. Anyway, Vagrant Queen, Adrian Ray to star in, in as the queen of a galactic kingdom uh, in adaptation of sci-fi comedy, comic, excuse me, on sci-fi. So, I don't know who this young lady is, but okay. And I don't know this book either, so, but more power to both of them. Because right. okay, cool. That's a nice picture. Um... You know what? I also got I got something else for uh, David Harbour. You can't handle the truth. <laughs> so okay. on. Yes. Yeah, so Sci-Fi has announced a, ser- a series order to a TV di- adaptation of Vault Comics's uh, Vagrant Queen, starring a black queen of a galactic kingdom who's on the run from those trying to kill her. Not only is the series one of the few out there that highlights black women in sci-fi, 
But it is also going to be written and directed by a team of only women, which is a point that I wanted to bring up, and that's pretty awesome. Alrighty. Although I wanted to say, wait, I thought Kill, no, Killjoys wasn't like that. Killjoys is a good sci-fi comic. I mean, not sci-fi comic, but a good um, show, by the way, if you get a chance to. It has nothing to do with this, but it was also on sci-fi. Uh, Dark Matter, also good. That was also actually another comic book, but I don't know. So hopefully this is going to be as good as those. Sounds like it might could be. Next up, uh, we head into the comic book news. Transition. Yep. Uh, Alrighty. Uh, first story. Agents of Atlas is returning with a new number one in August. So uh, Greg Park and Jeff Parker are teaming up with artists Gang Hyuk Lim and Carlo Pavulayan uh, to launch a new Agents of Atlas five-issue limited series um, that's going to include the latest version of the team and the classic roster. Yes. So I guess it's a classic team up? No! Go! Classic team up! Shout out to Classic Materia. Every time I see him or talk to him and I bring that up, he laughs. Indeed. I love that version. I love that version of the Classic Materia, uh, of the Classic Team of um, Team Song. Yep, so according to this, uh, it seems that, um, okay, so the the new team will continue their mission after the as a Guardian conflict with the with the current team, and then there's going to be a second story with Jeff Parker uh, that has the old team, which uh, at least one or two members of these are dead, so I'm assuming they're just going back into the to the annals. We'll see. Or at least one of them. I don't. I don't know. I know Gorilla Man is around in the vendors, but Namor is dead. So this can't be a new new thing. Um, and I don't know who in the world M thirty three is. But anyway, that's the thing. I think that's the robot guy running around in Agents of Atlas. He looks like um, the guy from Futurama. Oh, the robot. You know. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you in August. DC Pearson tackles Winter Soldier for Marvel Comics Presents. So, uh, in, in in other ways to get into comics, be in the movie uh, featuring the person that you're writing. There you go. So, yeah, DC Pearson, if you remember, Captain America Winter Soldier was the Apple guy. Oh, that's who that is? Okay. Apparently. I didn't, I don't know who that is either. But, um, you don't remember the Apple guy? No, I remember from the movie, oh, but I'm okay. saying I didn't know, you know. Um, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that guy, okay. Right. Like I didn't, I didn't, I did not know the Apple guy's name, so I was like, okay, well, sure. But yeah, he's apparently best known as a comedian and the author of uh, a novel, and uh, and of course he's the Apple guy from <laughs> from Winter Soldier. Which weirdly enough, this uh, seeing this article kind of almost made me want to watch uh, Winter Soldier again. I always want to watch Winter Soldier. Of course. <laughs> Moving right along. That's one of the honestly, that's one of the movies. It's one of the Marvel movies I can literally put on in the background. I mean, don't I have it's, to watch yeah. it, and I know what's going on because I I I, I know all the audio cues. Right, so. it's probably t- one of the top five movies. There you go, personally, uh, Marvel movies, I should say. Yep, 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 absolutely, so. absolutely, one of my top. So yeah. Which that's the list I still have. I haven't done in a while, and I don't know. I I should, probably shouldn't have said that before I thought about that. But regardless, Captain Marvel herds cats in the all new all ages title. So um, 
her and Chewy, Chewy got some got some hurting to do, I guess. Captain Marvel will take on her hardest job yet, literally hurting cats, well, flirking, in a new all-ages title limited series from IDW's uh, Marvel Action Line, as announced by io9. So, Marvel Action Captain Marvel will be written by Sam Maggs, with art from Sweeney Boo and Brittany Peer, and will focus on Carol Danforth's spending time on Earth as she discovers that many of New York's bodega cats... <laughs> which is cats uh, who live in family-run stores have been replaced by Flurkin. So next time, uh, Agent Seven, you go into a bodega, watch them, watch them cats. No wonder they're all fat. All right. <laughs> next up, uh, artist Jeff Shaw is exiting the Guardians of the Galaxy book early for an image book, so he's leaving uh, with August. Uh, no, with July's. Guardians number no no June's Guardians number six because the next artist Corey Smith is going to start um, on July's Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. Uh, Shaw was originally solicited to do number seven and that would have been his last issue. Apparently Shaw was stolen uh, away by a writer to do an image book. That writer is Donny Cates who's also writing Guardians of the Galaxy. So. Right. It's all good. I like how you said that there. It was like, hey, some, some writer sold it for me. I was like, oh, wait, it's me. Yeah. <laughs> so, and probably if he didn't put it on, I'm pretty, well, I don't know if we would have called that big of an uproar, but, you know, I'm sure somebody would have had some words about it. But that's, okay, cool. Um, Marvel Comics 1000, number 1000 variant changing after accidentally using DC art. So, yeah, um, I saw this unfold on, um, um, on, on Twitter. So, because the, the image went around to where this person, I don't know who it is, put out uh, the image of uh, the, the Marvel Comics 1000 variant cover, which, let me see if we can pull it in here, which, as you can see, is chock full of stuff. Um, yeah, it's a collage, but one image in the within the collage right here in this corner. If you're watching the video, shows horrible right, image. Right, um, shows uh, a couple of uh, guys kissing, which people instantly um, were like, "Hey, that's not Marvel. That's not from Marvel." But then there was also comparisons because there were there are have been similar kisses between uh, Hulkling and. Uh, and and Wiccan, you know that some people brought up, but this that particular image came from a DC comic book, causing um, I think what that's is a it? problem because this is you know even though it's a uh, you know it, it was work for hire, it's still a problem because it's it was designed for um, this uh, number one thousand issue. Yep. Uh, I have the, uh, the a copy of the physical copy of the Marvel previews, and the, that image is still in there. Well, yeah, you can't do anything after the, after the yeah. Right. So that's kind of sucky. So which caused uh, Nicola, Nicola Scott to react? Uh, um, that that's my gay kiss art. I'm getting a check, right? Because yeah, the yeah. image was of Alan Scott, you know, uh, kissing his his uh, his uh, his partner. So, like I said, people had people had a time with this until until the change happened. It was it was amusing to watch. It's kind of sad, also. But but amusing to watch, right? So, but ultimately, uh, they you know they're able to change it in time 
for the printing of the book, but not in time for the printing of the previews. Yep. So I wouldn't say that would be a collector's item, but hey, you hold on to it anyway. Everybody want to get that copy of previews. I know, right? <laughs> like, who would have thought you would ever want anyone would ever want a copy of previews for that? Uh, but anyway, next up. Uh, I'm going to do this one too. So uh, let's see. Classic Marvel villains strike in Bring On the Bad Guys variant. So um, as part of the Marvel 80th anniversary, uh, they're going to have uh, uh, variant covers of classic Marvel heroes going head to head with some of their most iconic foes with all new covers. Nefarious? Really? I figured... Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, make early offenders, sure. There's Thanos, which Thanos is on his own book, so that kind of makes sense, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, Abomination for Mortal Hulk, which we talked about earlier. Red Skull, Captain America. You, if you're watching the video, you can see some of this, some of these. Uh, Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, excuse me, um, MCU version Killmonger. Right. The more recognizable one, of course. Yes, and that looks like so, um um... I feel like I know who's uh no, never mind. I thought I knew whose art that was. But anyway. So yeah, there is there is that. Um and a bunch of bunch of others that's that's going to happen. So cool. Um next up, Marvel gives Betty Ross a new gamma transformation in Mortal Hulk. We kinda sorta talked about it earlier when we talked about it in Mortal Hulk. But right, yeah. we didn't we didn't spoil it, but we definitely teased it. Right. So yeah, she, she's got a new transformation that's uh, as uh, Agent Seventy said is a mix of her two previous ones. Um and we'll probably be talking more about that next issue. Uh, next up. Alrighty, uh, Marvel's Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is ending with the upcoming issue number 50. Um, so the series is going to end with issue number 50 later this year. It's not because it's been canceled, though. According to series writer Ryan North, it's because the creative team believes they've brought the story to its natural conclusion. Which is not doesn't happen that often, so, you know, it makes sense. Right. The, the, the character's not going anywhere. The Although, character's still be around. Right. Although, well, no, because I, I, I was about to say, well, if they had more stories, why, why cancel the book? But at the same time, it's like, you know what? When, when you finish your story, you want to go on to other things, you know, <laughs> then you do, you know, you, you wrap it up and push on. Right. So. The character's still in, like, the Marvel Rising stuff, so we're not we're not going to uh, well miss. yeah and it's not like the it's not like Squirrel Girls has been in the, in any main uh, you know mainline books just wait <laughs> well I mean there was a time where she was you know obviously right. if you remember her time with as the Avengers nanny and that kind of stuff but right you know, like I said, well, we'll see we'll see where that goes uh, right yeah maybe if that new new Warriors thing goes off the ground they'll they'll start up a new Warriors book and that'll happen or something right um Next up, get that out of the way. Marvel's Avengers Project will be at E3 2019. And in fact, yes, on June 11th, they will be showing some some stuff from that during E3, um, during one of the press conferences, during the, the, the um, Square Enix press conference. And I cannot wait. Okay. 
I don't know what that though. I mean, obviously, you know, because we've been waiting for information on that 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 game that Crystal Dynamics is doing, and now we will get that. So, do uh, we know what type of game it's supposed to be? Or um, we've got rumors, like because um, knowing what type of games that Crystal Dynamics does, it, it might be kind of well. We don't know. We don't officially know what it's going to be, but there's rumors saying it could be not necessarily Tomb Raider-ish, but like a third-person action type. Okay. So, um, but we don't fully know because we had, like I said, there hasn't, they've been dark for a while on that one. Okay. So we may get to see some footage. We may not, or it may just be like stills, you know, sometimes depending on what they feel like showing. But oh. hey, that's like two weeks away, so we'll find out soon enough. Yep. Alrighty, uh, Vader Immortal finally makes Alderanian Wolf Cats part of the Star Wars canon. So the VR game Vader Immortal um, was recently released, and um, in the game, these uh, Wolf Cats from Alderaan have become uh, part of Star Wars canon finally apparently well so I mean it's not a big surprise because everything that, that um, Star Wars and the, the, the story group and all that everything that's been pretty much coming out is can- canon at this point so that's not that including all the VR stuff so that's not that that's a, a big deal but it's not that big of a deal like gotcha. it's, it's a big deal because you know I guess uh, coming out of the ODU extended universe uh, um, then yeah it's a big deal because there's just them mining it back again and using it in the current canon so cool beans I don't know too much about the the wolf cats I know about the the loth cats you know about those too right anyway uh, Stan Lee's ex-manager arrested on elder abuse charges so good. Yeah. Um, earlier this month, a warrant has been issued for the arrest of Kia Morgan, late comics uh, Stan, legend Stanley's ex-manager. Morgan has been now arrested. According to Deadline, Morgan was arrested in Arizona on Saturday in a joint effort by uh, L.A. Police Department com- commercial crimes detectives and Scottsdale. Phoenix's police. Uh, Morgan allegedly isolated Lee from his friends and family and is being charged with crimes including false imprisonment, fraud, and forgery. I wish I do, so there are, I do know of a case of um, not, uh, some sort of similar elder abuse and I wish more uh, arrests like these get handed down and in one particular I hope really happens. That's all I'm going to say about that. So Okay. Um, yes. You know, all righty. So you know, uh, using elders for their m- money is not a good thing. I would say that even if I did not know a personal involvement with one. I was about to say that's right again. Out for justice. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I'm gonna be sorry because I'm anyway. Um, next up. Next up, some sad news to report. Um, this is unfortunately something that Roddy Cat and I both failed to bring up last week, but mm-hmm. it was a little more timely. But I'm glad that we that we had a chance to bring it up today. Um, Unfortunately, we lost um, a, a very, 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 very talented colorist and, and uh, prolific, and uh, right, definitely prolific and and, and uh, a great comic, a great person and a great uh, comics creator in Justin Ponsor. 
he passed away on May 18th, 20, uh, uh, of this year. And, um, he had been undergoing treatment for, uh, uh, cancer and he'd had his ups and downs. He'd been chronicling it online. So the last information that I had was that he was actually doing okay. And, um, you know, it was very shocking for me to find out that he had passed away and the outpouring of grief on social media was such that, you know, it really helped me to process it and to actually understand, you know, more about how vital uh, colorists have become in the, you know, in, in the digital coloring age. Um, something that PCN underscore dirt uh, mentioned prior to the show also um uh, made me think about what colorists used to have to do to make comics as appealing as they were when we were when when folks of a certain vintage were growing up right and some Free of that stuff ended digital. up being you know innovative innovative stuff that probably some of which is probably being used now or at, at the very least some techniques that have been used to some effect you know right going like, forward Right, like pre pre digital coloring or the early stages of digital coloring. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just um, read a few of the uh, a, a few tweets in a long tweet uh, chain published by uh, Devin Lewis, who used to be uh, an assistant at Marvel, and um, I just wanted to focus on a couple of the tweets that really stuck out to me. So. Uh, she so so Devin Lewis is uh, is recalling a, a point where um, you know Ponser's a little behind on a deadline and has to be reminded to zoom out, you know, to to take a step back and not uh, get um, bogged down in all the heavy details of the pages that he's working on. And uh, Ponser described uh, his process. And there's a couple of these uh, tweets I wanted to read because it was it, it's so informative about his process and about how much thought goes into or should go into uh, coloring. Um, first, he would lay out the entire issue and read it against the script. So he's looking at the inks, um, the inked art at this point. From there, he built a specific color palette for that particular issue derived from a larger color palette he built for each particular series. He changed the series palette's hues depending on the emotionality of each scene. Quieter moments got a cooler palette. More intense or emotional ones were warmer. He'd then pinpoint every light source in every scene and intellectualize how that ought to affect his color approach. And nothing ever fell through the cracks. So, in some, his work began and ended with story. Is the setting an interior or an exterior? Should the light be a clinical white or a warmer incandescent yellow? How far is the light from the subject? What's the aperture around the bulb and how should that frame the character? And how should uh, all these factors affect the literal color, quality, and vibrancy of the light and and objects themselves? And only after figuring all that out would Justin begin coloring. Uh, His approach to which was equally laborious and insightful. I was gobsmacked reading that. I retweeted it. No, I liked it and retweeted the, uh, the first tweet. 
in the uh, in the in the chain so that um, uh, you know the tweet would gain more exposure. I would suggest uh, going to at e Devin Lewis and looking up this tweet uh, and going and and going through uh, this description of Justin Ponsor's um, uh, work. I wanted to add finally that I met Justin Ponsor once at New York Comic Con. He was probably there a number of times, but the time I met him was uh, relatively recently. It was um, right after Death of Wolverine had come out. And um, I believe it was Jay Leaston, the uh, the inker, who pointed him out to me and said, hey, the colorist is right here. You know, he was like at the booth right next door. And... Uh, or the table right next door in Artist Alley at New York Comic Con. I said, hey, the, the colorist is right here. You can get him to sign this book, too. And I rifled through my bag of comics, and I realized that he had colored a whole host of comics that I had in my bag on me. So <laughs> I had uh, Justin Bonsor autograph a number of books, and uh, you know, I, I chatted with him. I looked at what he had on his table. I don't remember if I bought any, any a print or anything like that. I think he had actually run out of some stuff um, that uh, people had bought. But uh, I remember him as a really pleasant guy, very cool, um, and uh, I and I realized that as as I, I review something that I guess I had always taken for granted in the modern age of uh, digital coloring is how much coloring really does affect. And this is a, this is part of a conversation that we started to have when we do our, our end of the year voting. Uh, especially when we added, um, you know, all the, uh, the the awards for the various creator categories, and we, you know, we, we've definitely learned to appreciate more uh, the effects of color in comics. I was definitely growing up very focused on um, the pencilers because uh, that's really the, uh, the the nuts and bolts of the of, of the art of um, of comic books, but. More so than even inkers nowadays, I think the colorists are, are, are responsible for the the the, the vibrant and, and, and beautiful comics that we're, we're we're blessed to be able to review each week. Yep. So yeah, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Sponsor. Yeah, rest and, in peace. Um, hey. Yeah, F cancer. Yeah, definitely. If uh, F cancer. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, we should appreciate all of the people, you know, um, uh, and granted, there's a lot of times we don't think about this stuff because, like, you know, somebody like him who's a little more higher profile than some of the other people in, in the industry or whatever. But, you know, sometimes it's good to take some time to, to, to learn about your creator scenes, especially on a book that you like, you know, even down to know well up to the editor and and that kind of stuff because you know they all have they all uh you know give something to the book exactly they all contribute to the book they all have roles to play everyone from you know steve wacker who was the editor on miss marvel Mm -hmm. you know who used to be a you know an editor in the spidey office but was editing miss marvel and really contributed to the creation of that character with g willow wilson and sana amina right so, you know, like as, as Roddy, you know, that was that, that's an excellent point. You know, it's a, you know, we really should familiarize ourselves with the creators behind these books. Yeah. And give them their flowers, as some folks would say on social media. <laughs> there um, you go. While they're still alive. Uh, but moving along from that, um, 
the Umbrella Con, excuse me, the Umbrella Academy, the, the Umbrella Chronicles, different thing, to receive a one-shot Christmas special from Gabriel Ba and Gerard Way. So, um, so yeah, it probably looks like it may or may not have something to do with uh, the um, with the Netflix series, which I've not seen and I've heard some people like. But uh, the comics are still happening. Let's see. On June seventh, the Umbrella uh, the Umbrella Academy Hotel Oblivion number seven is due to be released, and now we know what it is. It's basically uh, a Christmas special one shot. Uh, so there you go. Fans of Umbrella Academy have at it. Next up. Alrighty, next up, She-Ra, She-Ra gets a graphic novel adaptation uh, titled Legend of the Fire Princess. Uh, sure. It's a new original, yeah, it's a new original graphic novel based on the animated Netflix original series. Okay. Mm-hmm. To which I still have yet to check out, but I hear good things. Same, I have not yet watched that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it will arrive in early 2020 from writer GGDG. Um, and artist uh, Paulina Ganacho. I don't. Oh, okay. Yeah, and based on the stories of the, um, Noel Stevenson. So, cool. Next up, uh, classic Tron figures coming from Diamond Select. Uh, I, I have dirt. We're still here. We yeah, someone tell PC and underscore dirt. I feel like I should have. I probably should have put this in our in our back channel, but he may have already. A lot of times he will have known about this already, and so he there's a good chance he probably already did. But yeah, nevertheless, <laughs> yeah. But nevertheless, there was going to be a uh, Diamond Select. Uh, it's like a Select Wave One set of three figures. Looks like um, you have Tron, you have um, Sark, and. Um, uh, I can't remember what. Uh, oh, Flynn. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so there you go. Infiltrator Flynn, Sark, and Tron. Seven inches. It'll be uh, $74.95. So 75 bucks for for three figures. And it looks like there's also going to be figures from uh, Star Trek Into Darkness to. You know what? Never mind. We'll just keep on to this because that's not, you know, that's not relevant. So yeah, there you go. If you're a fan of Tron and uh, you want some figures, there you go. Figures coming. Mm. Uh, coming when? Sometime this year. Next. Transformers Masterpiece Edition. MP46 Beast Wars Black Arachnia has been released. Or is going to be released? Yeah! So yeah, the, December 19th is when Black Arachnia comes out. And um, in true to form, those Masterpiece Edition Transformers are way expensive. I kind of want this because I like that character and uh, uh, it looks good. But that's a lot of money. 140 bucks. That's coming out this December. Um, so, some nice person want to get me that? That's great, but nah, I can't. I can't do nothing for that. <laughs> Next up, um, uh, so what? No, no, yeah, I think this is yours. Yeah, uh, Stepan Sajic shares art from. I really hope I'm not screwing that name up, but I don't think I've heard anyone say it out loud. Um. 
shares art from unnamed black label Batman comic. So this is the artist of uh, Sunstone, and he's also actually the current um, Aquaman artist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and uh, he's he's working on a new Batman project for a DC Black Label. Sajik revealed the project, which is currently unnamed in a tweet. Uh, he answered several follow-up questions revealing the project would be for DC Black Label and that he would be on the whole series, which is, quote, three oversized 60-page issues. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, most comments point out that the character looks like a combination of Man-Bat and Batman. And yeah, it kind of does. Some sort of vampiric bat. Uh, rel- reminiscent of Earth-43's Batman. Bat Dash Man, a vampiric version of Dark Knight. So we'll see whatever the heck that's going to be when it happens. Next. Alrighty. Uh, DC Comics is going to stop double shipping books next year. So Yay. remember, yeah. Remember the Rebirth relaunch saw a lot of titles shipping twice monthly. So DC's has since scaled back what it double ships, though a select few titles still remain on. Uh, twice a month schedule so the publisher is going to end double shipping books altogether and all remaining titles will ship once a month in 2020 for That's how a long we thing. don't know yeah for how long yeah well, you know when they need a cash infusion here comes double shipping mm-hmm. or some run event oh no, yeah no events have nothing to do with this not double shipping thing because you know we've got to get out of there but hey this mm-hmm. is a good thing we'll see how long that lasts because I think what uh, what is double shipping justice like I feel like we we are reading a, a book or two that is double shipping, but I could be wrong. Oh, Batman! Well, yeah, I'm not reading that, so yeah, y'all, that's on y'all. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and I'm like this, yeah, and I Batman's got Justice like three League or four. Too. Huh? Sure. I want to say Justice League as well. Probably, but I'm saying Batman's got like three or four books. He can stand to to do without double shipping. So, oh, here we go. Um, Detective Comics. Well, yeah, Detective Comics Flash. Wonder Woman and Justice League looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There you go. Next up, uh, Brian Bendis re- re- reveals Young Justice is headed for the DC King- DC's Kingdom Come universe. Which, uh, as I said earlier when we were talking about um, Doomsday Clock and, and I asked that question, like yeah, it does seem like they're kind of on the fringes of other realms. Like so at this point right now they're in um they're on they're in gym world. So I okay. guess maybe they're staying in the multiverse and going other places looks like maybe. Uh and I guess that's where the this group is gonna go. Or this is gonna be this is almost like uh well I wouldn't say it's not like uh exiles because that's not true. But yeah, so they're going to DC's Kingdom Home, which makes me want to read the Kingdom Come because I don't think I've ever read it. Okay, that's a bigger surprise than Crisis. Um, I'm gonna be honest, only because that came out a lot later. We were a lot older and maybe had some money in our pockets. Right. Yeah, but I'm also not that big a DC. Have not, yeah. not always been that big of a DC person. So, it's like, I knew it. about a lot of this stuff, but it was like I get to it at some point, and I never did. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. You know, um, all you have to do is read the original four issue series. Sure. I think I want to say I may actually have bought a copy on Comixology, and it is definitely on. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. I know they put a lot of those events on DC Universe, and I believe DC uh, uh, Kingdom Come is actually on one on there also. 
So, and Comicsology has been putting, you know, Comicsology uh, Unlimited has definitely have a lot of DC event books too. So, if you're in on any one of those, you might be able to read that if you're so inclined. Yeah, I was I was gonna say I would be very shocked to see uh, Kingdom Kingdom Come not on the Universe app. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did because I was going through the, the app. Uh, last night, actually, just, just, just kind of perusing to see what they had and kind of making some lists for myself for, for down the line. And I believe I did run into Kingdom Come. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely here. The yeah. original. So that's, that's really right. all. So like I was, yeah. So like I was saying before we we started, like they've been getting a whole lot better with their with their book offerings, and that's great. Cool. On a side note. Um, Alrighty. Next. next up. Uh, some news that we have been discussing over the last few weeks. Uh, DC has confirmed Tom King's upcoming departure from the core Batman book, but has revealed that those stories are going to continue in a 12-issue Batman Catwoman series drawn by Clayman. Um, and is that's scheduled to debut in January of 2020. So, um, you know, not all is lost for fans of the Batman Catwoman story that uh, King has been writing in the main Batman book. Right. And I think um, I can't remember if this was beforehand or during that discussion, but uh, I know Dirt said something about it. We don't know whether this is going to be like an Elseworlds type thing or because of the, uh, the Doomsday Clock stuff or what. But yeah, I guess we'll see, huh? And it's, yeah, it's going to be 12 issues, so. Right, which, which should take them up to just, just short of 100 issues. Right. Alrighty. So, next up, last but not least, uh, Batman Who Last variant from Miko Suyan, uh, Amaj's Jim Lee's Hush, which is another event book that I haven't read, but I do have that That's on... That's forgivable. <laughs> but I have that on Comixology. Uh, Only because, you know, that that definitely came along much more recently and right. at a time when it was a lot harder to... Um, to keep up with that stuff before you were, you know, before you were like reviewing uh, comics on a regular so Right, and I know Hush is one that um, people have spoken about in no pun intended or every pun intended Hush tones. Yeah. Um, it's some people tend to like that one, but again, I'm not a big DC uh, head, so it's like a lot of stuff. I'm just coming as, um, you know, educational. Alrighty, so that uh, yeah. brings us to the end of the news yep. and our last ad read of the night. Our last ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. I made a rhyme. Your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including T-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise like custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. So place your first order with 10% off and tell Keep Our Show Free for You. Go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. 
when you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we round the bend to the end of this, wow, I made a rhyme too. Ha ha. Uh, to this here episode of Comic Book Chronicles, I'd like to thank each and every one of you folks for coming out. Um, pretty sure we do not have a movie protocol next week, so we will be back. I was about to say, speaking of movie protocol, didn't my, my plans didn't uh, work out for uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, but. Hopefully, I'll have a chance to uh, watch it at some point this weekend and be able to talk a little bit about it next week. So, yeah. alrighty then. And with that, folks, <laughs> we'll see you uh, same bat time, same bat channel next week, uh, nine nine thirty ish. PM or hey after the fact or the day after the fact on your audio listening uh, places of source and of course for uh, Agent 70 who is at uh, Agent underscore 70 who is at Agent underscore 70 at Twitter and Instagram PC underscore dirt on Twitter uh, popculturenet on Twitter popculturenetwork.com and the various uh, sites therein Tim D-O-G-G 98 whom I'm not sure if I actually um, mentioned earlier, but uh, Tim Dog 98 on Twitter, The Click Nation, that's D K L I Q N A T I O N on Twitter, TheClickNation.com, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, and Comic Book Resources, where he is writing his face off, as you have seen in a couple of the articles that we put out earlier, or we talked about earlier. And for myself, Roddy Cat, Roddy Cat on Twitter, uh, News Nerds Need on Twitter, uh, News Nerds Need Reddit, uh, CB Caps on Instagram, and all that good jazz. You can find this here program on the Carl Slither Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast at uh, Google Play or Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify and of course the Slow Cold Slither Podcast uh, page on SoundCloud. Not SoundCloud rappers, just use the SoundCloud page. And with that, <laughs> that wasn't worth that, but thank you. Um, and with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles Peace. Peace one. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it? it's it's Doctor Doom? What's on your evil mind?